This is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Dirty Mo Media. Dirty Mo. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. for the Dale Jr. Download back again. We got a great show today. Mike Davis is here. Leah Vaughn, Matthew Dillner. I'm excited. You seem excited. I am. I just still can't stop laughing at you in sunglasses. Well, the thing about it is, is I'm wearing these sunglasses because these are the new spies that I helped design. So spies, you know, they have the colored lens. They got the blue and the green and the red. Well, I like orange. Orange is my favorite color. And so they came out with these new spies. These are uh, the hunts. The hunts? Yeah, that's the the frame. It's called the hunt. And then they got this orange lens that I'm very uh, happy about. Well, I'm glad. Yeah, yeah. and wear them so either. I thought I'd wear them. Wear them. But Spy is a, a company go. that I've been a partner or, or working with for a long time. I don't know how long, Mike. Decade? Over a decade. Over a decade. Yeah. In fact, Spy was the very first advertiser on the Dale Junior Download when we nice. started this thing. So, however long we've been doing that, they were even Dale's partner well before that. I remember us doing a press conference with Boris said out in L.A. Yeah. Out in, I mean, so that would have been back in your DEI yeah. days. So this this lens that I've asked them to create, it comes in a lot of different frames, but this is the hunt frame that I often wear. And uh, we had the dirty mo's. You know what I like about these? Um, the what, what do you call this? The thin temples, uh, hell, whatever it is. I think that's what they call it. But yeah. like, I don't like those real thick temples. And you used to. Like the sunglasses. I, wore, I used to wear wraps. Uh, I'm yeah. not a wrap guy these days. Wraps will probably come back. Depends on the, the actual. I wear the wraps or the square frame glasses depending on the bill of the hat. Oh, yeah. so if the if the bill has got if the bill of the hat's got a big curve in it, a lot of it's aggressive curve, then you can't you can't get the square frame in there. You got to wear the wraps. If you get you know, a little flatter bill, you can get the square frames. You know, look at our producer Brian. Flat Listen, bill, square frames. He's got oh, it going on, right? He yeah. could, he would not want to wear wraps with a flat bill. No. That looks weird. Have you ever thought about being a sunglass model? <laughs> yeah, I think you could. Matthew's doing the same thing. Flatter, flat, sort of flat bill, not aggressive. Yeah, not aggressive. Square frame, never flat for me. Come on, right. that's the East combo. Coast. That's the combo we go with. East Coast. <laughs> All right, uh, Kelly, my East sister, <laughs> is our guest. I've been trying to get Kelly on the show for a long time, so this is gonna be a lot of fun for me. I think you know we've heard some of these stories before, some of you especially uh, that have been around us for a long time, but we're gonna hear them in a new way. I don't think me and Kelly's ever really sat down and set the story straight. There's going to be a lot of, hey, did this really happen? Uh, what's your version of this? Here's my version. Mm. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I like it. Let's that. get started. Someone's going to take control of this day. Someone's going to make the change. Someone's going to raise their voice and say, there's got to be a better way. got to find love if you want to be loved. got to find strength if you want to be strong. We all come home. We cannot tell someone what being a parent is like. We just the family and he gets it. Here she is. You hear the drum roll, <laughs> drum giving roll. herself her own drum roll. <laughs> so, Kelly, all right. So, I've been trying to get you on the podcast for a long time. Do you want to stand for your phone? I've got, I really ain't using mine. No, I'm just going to pull up just a couple notes. Oh, oh yeah. you prepared? I tried to print them, and I don't have these fancy iPads that you guys have. Uh-huh. And my yeah. printer wasn't ready to wake up when I walked in you five have minutes more, ago. <laughs> you have printer problems. I know. I think of all the people that has more it <laughs> problems, you do. And that should hey, not be that way. Don't get me started on IT, I was okay? going to say, if we want to talk about IT, it's going to take the whole show. 
Well, I just think that, you know. And you're going to put me in a bad mood. Well, I, it just it shouldn't be that way. The it's, bosses should be able to have their problems fixed. Yeah. It, Mike, everybody has IT problems. The in boss, every walks of life? Everybody. Like I don't every know. Every business I don't, I just doing Mark's work? I cannot. I don't know. I've only worked okay. here. <laughs> <laughs> Since IT has been a thing, this has been my job, you know, for seventeen years. So when you, years, yeah, so. before that, there was no IT department. <laughs> no, I don't think in so. the other businesses no. you worked in. No. Not back. <laughs> How did y'all get by? I know, not when I carried the bag phone and yeah. you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> Actually, I just saw a work print a picture from uh, my sports image days or somewhere, and somebody commented because I still had you. You know, we had the big box computer things. Mm. Okay, know? I guess you know, desktop you don't computers. The, you're talking about like desktop, like Macintosh, yeah, but, the type. true yeah, desktop. Yeah, was this yeah, big? real big. Yeah. Right, right, Your screen right. Was, yeah. I only recently upgraded to the newer stuff like a year ago. I'm gonna put my at sunglasses home? back on. It's y'all. Oh, no, no. Look at this. <laughs> so, do you feel special because nobody has ever got the sunglass Dale like you were about to get? Sunglasses. Well, I'm just proud of these new spies. This is okay. That's I'm just promoting my new right. sunglasses that came out. I've been trying to get you on this podcast for a long time. Like that's so you rolled hard. your eyes. That's hard, isn't it? I, I oh, mean, my I'm schedule's not, just crazy. I'm not the only one that's in control of the scheduling here. <laughs> well, Mike, I, I did you remember. not want me on this podcast? This is twisting arms. This is twisting arms a little bit. All right, you know what? Honestly, um, I felt like we had you on recently, and I might have been wrong about that. Was I wrong? Because I've we've done no. so many things for like. Between, I've never sat at this table. That's true. You have so. never sat at the table. So I haven't been on you this on? year. Yeah. What, what do you think about the table? Do you feel like it's uh, like is it. what, everything you thought it would be and more? Yeah, I love you it. You were so much involved in the building and in the yes. construction table. That's maybe why I felt this way. She yeah. was? Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> she you can't just go have a shop employee build a table without letting Kelly know. Well, yeah. <laughs> it was your idea, as a matter well, of fact. Well, no. So the designer who helped you guys with the, the space here saw a table like this online, and it was crazy expensive yeah and not in our country and not in our budget and not in our country <laughs> and right. not in our time frame we would still be <laughs> waiting so i it. said well hey it's metal and wood so there's two guys you know out jeremy and nick and they crafted it for you guys yeah. so i was like hey we can accomplish this mm-hmm. yeah so so what is your very first childhood memory not but not it doesn't have to have me in it what's mm. the first thing that you can remember happening oh gosh in your life um <clears throat> so i'm glad you Preempted me last night at 9 p.m. No, with a little. Tell anybody. <laughs> that's early. I don't know what you're that's thinking. That's tell anybody. Yeah. Behind the curtain. Man, I'm terrible at memory stuff. So, um, you know, I I was I was just trying to think through the childhood, and I really I need to look at pictures and stuff. Dale, I'm I'm so jealous of Dale in this manner because his memory is so good. Mm. He says he has a memory of dad. At four years old, yeah. riding in that's on the truck for his birthday. Four? Really? For, yeah. Four years old. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't remember anything like that. Um, I would say I was trying to think like timing. I think like 78, maybe I remember us being at Teresa's apartment with dad. Really? Teresa had an apartment? Mm-hmm. She was in college in Charlotte and, and I can see us in this apartment. I was talking to mom about this, um, not too long ago. And cause I was trying to get like timelines, right. you know, of our life. And, um, but, but really most of my childhood memories are in the house that burned down. So from that time period, mm-hmm. that's the only house that I really remember living in. That was, so that was about eight, you know, seven, eight, nine. And I don't remember living anywhere else prior to that, which mom said we lived in a thousand different places. So that's probably why. And I've got some memories at memos and things like that, but 
Yeah, it's very sporadic. I have have zero memory or, I mean, this is like the first time I'm hearing of us going to an apartment that Teresa was going to school in Charlotte Uh and dad was hanging out there. Yep. Mm. Oh, college days. What were y'all doing at Teresa's apartment? (laughs) Well, see, I don't remember that part. I just remember that we were there. I I just remember we were there. Yeah. My first memory, yeah, like you said, was uh, four years old. We were in Mamaw's house, kitchen. Dad, dad, I... Every, the the twist was that dad wasn't going to be there. Ah. And I was disappointed. And then he come rolling around the corner on top of a big, uh, what were the yellow toys? Tonka truck. Tonka truck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was yeah. on top of a big Tonka truck, oh, probably, yeah. you know, bigger, big enough for him to sit on and ride in. But still, not designed for him to ride in, right? No, <laughs> but I mean, no. that was his corner. Cor- he was wearing black jeans, a white t-shirt. And... I was like, dang, Dad, <laughs> yay. You know, because we hardly <laughs> no, saw him we at all. Saw him. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, from the time, that was 78. Dad and him got divorced that year. And then from the time, from 78 till 81, I yeah. guess, when we moved in with him, yeah. I got one memory of him. And that's been in the night at his house, the lake house. And it was just me and him. I don't, I don't know where Teresa was, but he wasn't married to or Teresa. Me. I don't know where you were. <laughs> I think you were with mom, and it was my, for whatever reason, dad took Just me for time. the weekend. Yeah. And I remember, I'm, he must have not been racing that weekend. Back then, they only run about 26, 28 races a year, so he probably had a weekend off. Didn't have Teresa around, and it was just me and him at the, uh, in his lake house, hanging out. That Considering how, I know how much you were always longing to be around him. That must have been like Disneyland for you. I only remember him uh, tucking me in at night, and he didn't have anywhere for me to sleep, so I slept in the be- his king-size bed with him. Yeah. Even I better. remember some of those times right. when we did that, yeah. And uh, I just remember being there by myself yeah. and going to bed, and I don't remember what we did that weekend, fishing oh, really? or anything like that or where we went. I yeah. just remember I was just really intimidated. and. See, I don't think during that time of our life we had the longings, like, necessarily to spend time with Dad. Right. You know, we were little kids. and He was a little bit of a stranger. Yeah, oh. and so, so I don't really – I don't know – that that longing really was like in our minds or whatever. And so the time that you got was just cool. Cause it was like, Oh, dad's here. You know, I remember one time him coming to the house that burned down really? and yeah. And, um, I, don't remember that I think all. I played T-ball and I remember you playing T-ball and him taking us to, to your T-ball practices. Yeah. In, in, a, in like a Trans Am or something. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. <laughs> awesome. T-tops. T-tops. Yeah, with T-tops. And me and my cousin Shelly um, both played t-ball, and I remember us riding in the t-top back to Mamaw's house, and him like doing, you know, fish tails. I think and I was all that in the car. Stuff you were, yeah, yeah. Or either I remember you telling me this story. Oh back. gosh, you in the car. Remember when you um, <laughs> rolled my fingers up in the window? Do no. you remember that? No. I think that was when we moved in with Dad, and we were riding from Kannapolis to uh, Mooresville, and you rolled my fingers up in the door Ouch. of Ooh. the car. Yeah. On purpose? Well, I don't know if it Possibly. was on purpose. <laughs> Can't roll it What's out. your first yeah. memory of me and you together? Oh, um, probably, uh, gosh. I mean, being just playing and stuff, I, again, at, at the White House that burned down, like that's kind of where all of my things are, and playing. And remember we had that gr- old garage out in the back yep. that was kind of dilapidated, and we spent a lot of time with the neighbors. neighborhood kids across the street. They were bad influences. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's that's kind of where I think that, like, the caretaker and the kind of the mama thing with me took off there because mom worked, like, crazy shifts with her job. And um, 
So I just, just I just remember, yourself. yeah, and babysitters and being out in that yard. I mean, I can picture all of that just like perfectly, and that's kind of like this is the house those, that burned down. Yeah, yeah. where was that? Down. Yeah, Canapolis, Glenwood okay. Avenue. Yeah. So we lit the the kids across the street uh, were rough, and they they stole my shoes. I had this cool pair of Adidas shoes that they stole. Yeah. He literally stole them and wore them in front of me like the <laughs> next week. I'm like those are mine. They're missing. Those are they you. Nah, these ain't yours. Mm. Yeah. And then they took us. I don't know if you remember this. We went down to this. The uh, there's like a convenience store uh-huh. at the end of the street and tried to tell us how to shoplift. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Oh, you remember that? Yeah. The guy mm-hmm. with your shoes is teaching you how to. Yeah. Shop. Well, they were <laughs> our age. Yeah. They were our age. No, no, yeah. I got they it. They were yeah. kids. And they're like, oh, yeah. we, we take shit out of here all the time. I'm like, yeah. Man, what? <laughs> is it time to out them? Go no. ahead and give a name. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> we don't know. Their I don't, name. Yeah. I don't remember. But I think I remember their name, but yeah, let's not go there. We talk about the house Tony that burnt down. No, <laughs> we talk about the house that burnt down, the house that burnt down, the house that burnt down. So yeah. um, help people understand what we're talking about with that and what how, how big a moment that was in our lives. Yeah, it was big. So, um, you know, we lived there for a couple years, and it was me, Mom, and Dale. And um, How old were you around this time? Six, eight years? I was six. You were eight. Yep, yep. So in May of 1981, we had one week of school left, and we woke, well, Mom had a boyfriend who was over and woke us up. I, I think it was around like 5 a.m. or something like that. And the fire, everybody always wants to know, where how'd the fire start? So it was one of those neon circular kitchen lights. <laughs> Got um, it. Uh, you know, old house. This is 81. Yeah. And um, Adele's bedroom was right beside the kitchen. Yeah. And you have a memory, I think, of coming out and like seeing the fire. Oh, we... freaking. It, when I walked out of my bedroom... I remember her, her boyfriend. I don't know his name. I think his name is Kelly. He seemed like a nice guy. Yeah. As far as I remember. Uh-huh. And uh, he come in there and was like, get up, get up, get up. And yeah, I get up and he even was like, we, we, I put on um, some, some, clothes. Cl- some pajamas. They were like Incredible Hulk underoos. <laughs> I ain't leaving oh them my things gosh. behind. We loved underoos. We had underoos. <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> Everybody did. Yeah. Everybody we did. had every damn one. And I walked out of my bedroom and I remember, I don't remember he, feeling like the room's warm or anything, but I walked out of my bedroom and like 10 feet away is a wall of fire. Like you can't see anything but fire from wall to wall, floor to ceiling. Mm. And the kitchen was there. And I mean, it's blazing, popping. Pow, 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 pow. Yeah, I don't remember none of that. And I saw that and I was like, holy crap. And he he had me by the arm and we took a left to the front door. And then we were in the yard and that's it. Yeah, so I remember being at the neighbor's and they were like an older couple. I think they had dogs or something. And um, so I remember being over there, and I remember the school bus going by. And and then later, there was something said about the school. The people on the school bus, the kids on the school bus, said that we had died died in the house fire. They're like, <laughs> oh man, we went by, you know, and the house is on fire. And and they and, weren't here for the school yeah, bus, so you know, they must they have died. They didn't come to school, so. And um, <laughs> but I was also asking mom about that before she passed away. Um, because I can't really, I couldn't really remember what the spread of time was that day. You know, did we, I remember having two plastic bags of belongings and I remember being at Mama's house with those two plastic bags. And like she says, she took us to Mama's that afternoon. Don't remember that. And literally we went to live with dad. Oh, and straight away. Yeah. That day. And like in a day. Yeah. I remember being in the front yard of the house burning down. Maybe we were actually in the yard, front yard of the neighbor, either one. I don't know. Yeah. I thought we were right in front of the house. And the, and I asked whoever was there. I don't know if mom would have been there, but some an, another adult family member was there. And I was like, do we have to go to school? <laughs> and they were like, oh, no. And uh, I was like, awesome. 
<laughs> and then, I mean, it was like a snap of my fingers. The next memory I have is being in Dad's garage yeah. the, at the lake house, yeah. going through my toy box. Yeah. So I remember going to the store with him, Tucker Furniture in Kannapolis, and picking out our black and white TVs. Oh, yeah. And I still have Dale mine. still has his black and really? Can you believe yeah. that? Yeah. 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 Why is that thing not in my the studio? probably exists. <laughs> Dude, that would and be is, a, yeah. a great awesome. addition. To, it's in yeah. my treehouse, yeah. uh, and it still works. Yours uh, really? had, did yours awesome. have the football outline guy on the? Uh-uh. No. Okay. It's just white. Okay, it's just white. Okay. It was just a white, 13 inch white, yeah, black and white. Yeah, the black and white TVs. And we got to, we also got to go to the store and pick out a toy. And I still have my, I, I bought a Cookie Monster. Um, stuffed animal, mm-hmm. and I still have that. Oh wow! I think, my TV is probably at Don Harmon. I think that my, like all my important is that where I might there? have got my stuffed animal Lamut. <laughs> Maybe because I yeah. had this stuffed animal. It was uh, just a <laughs> tan <laughs> dog that but was he like my Wooby or whatever. And I, it's, <laughs> whatever you call it, right? Whatever kids, whatever Whoobie. kids call that yeah. thing, it's, it's all either, kinds of names. It's yeah. either a blanket yeah. or it's a stuffed animal yeah. that goes everywhere you go. And yeah. it was called Lamut. That yeah. was the brand or the brand name. And I went on eBay about two or three years ago and found a brand new one. Yeah, yeah. And I was telling Amy the other day, I was like, I might try to get uh, Isla <laughs> attached to this thing <laughs> if I could. Yeah, that'd be cool, huh? Yeah, it would be cool. I've yeah. done the same thing. Yeah, I tried to uh, imprint. SpongeBob on Kelly's kids, especially Carson, that didn't really work. Among a lot of other things, he yeah. tried to imprint on my kids. I'm like, you're going to be a Redskins <laughs> fan. You're going to love SpongeBob. I'm going to fill your room with SpongeBob. Didn't really work. For Larson, it worked for a lot. For a yeah. While. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that my both both of my kids were big SpongeBob fans. They watched that well, that's religiously. Me. Yeah, yeah. So, did, when, when you guys went to live with your dad, was that good or bad? I mean, did you miss we the whole house, or were you, I mean, what were the? I, I mean, we're. T- yeah, I don't really remember being emotional one way or the right. other. You know, we, our mom moved to Virginia. Immediately. Um, immediately to live with her mom. You know, my mom, I mean, we were paycheck to paycheck family. And so my mom was just really working hard just to keep our head above water. And so she, you know, dad was 1981. So my dad was rookie of the year. He was the first time comp champion and she thought that things were going in a good way for him and so she thought that was the best decision for us um, to go live with him and uh, so she moved in with her mom in Norfolk Virginia and for the first year or so she would come to our lake house and stay with us while dad traveled and so we got to see her quite a bit everybody had a great relationship and then of course Teresa and my dad got married and a lot of that changed you know in terms of her being able to come there obviously sure. I mean you know you're not right. going to have what? your ex-wife come stay with your kids at yeah. their house yeah awkward but, yeah <laughs> but um so yeah I, I don't re- remember any bad emotions or, or whatever but we were talking last night um LW and I about me being afraid of fire and he said that Dale um didn't know I was pe- I'm petrified of fire I mean anxiety to the level if I start talking about electrical stuff like if I'm home and an outlet's not working or a light's flickering or anything like that um, I get extremely anxious and I don't like being in enclosed quarters like we have a travel camper on the ride to a campground my anxiety starts building but when I get in there I'm fine once I realize that everything's going to be okay but um, it's really crazy that not having any emotional or no no recollection of anything bad other than you were in a fire that that's comes mm. out so much later mm. you know yeah, yeah. and haven't because Dale doesn't he don't have anything like that so I have a jewelry really phobia crazy. 
Well, I know. Thanks to you. Yeah. I don't even know where Why that comes from. Why you say thanks to her? I wore minimal jewelry today. You see these yeah. earrings? Mm-hmm. Didn't have no no jewelry when on I, Because when, of this? Specifically because of his <laughs> phobia? No, no. I really did. I just said, I, I mean, I did it. I'm like, I didn't get, be like, oh, God, I'm not going to wear anything for Dale Jr., but I got it out. this morning. The Incredible Hulk is going to Because come normally out. I accessorize my outfit, and I thought this morning, I was like, I'll yeah. just go easy going. So, you know, so he's getting better at it. Though, but why is that her fault? Yeah, no, so you, why is that my fault? When we moved in with Dad, like yeah. probably a year after that, she would chase me around the house <laughs> with <laughs> necklaces and jewelry. Not snakes. I had, no, I had no problem with jewelry. Dad now, where wore, the hell do y'all think I got necklaces and jewelry Dad, from? <laughs> you had your own. Dad had a necklace that oh, he yeah. wore. I didn't care about that. That didn't bother me. For whatever reason, Kelly thought she would chase me around the house because I was bothering her, annoying her, and yeah. that was her defense. And that, I don't know, That from that point on, I did not <laughs> like jewelry and didn't want to be touched by it, didn't want it, didn't want to be near it. Do you remember yeah. this? No, I don't remember that part. Mm. I remember him running around the house and annoying me. Yeah. Of course. No. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, our room our rooms upstairs were side by side and yeah. I was if if yeah, if I was I was if she was in her room, I was in there bugging her. Well okay. th- thinking about chasing or, you around with jewelry, yeah. like that's not that cruel. I had a TV. But, but has, has did she do anything cruel to you or are you guys doing That was cruel enough. Was cruel. I had a TV <laughs> It's not that cruel. I had a TV in my room, and I would go in her room to watch TV. Yeah. Yeah. You wanted to be around her. Yeah. We were yeah. extremely close. We were very close. And we did. We played well together and did well together. So we. Did y'all have bad babysitters or something? Because when you said you started becoming a Kelly motherly figure. Kelly liked them. I didn't like them. Is that right? Yeah. Well, well they we had all, that one, Meredith. I was. Was um, it Meredith or what was her name? Uh, Yvonne? No, the red, the big green. Uh, <laughs> the big green. Mercury. Um, monster. Oh, no, her name's not Meredith. Her name was um, Ma- Margaret or Bertha or Mer- something. <laughs> like, um, it wasn't Bertha. Bertha. The big green it car. was um, she had a giant green Ford. Yeah. Mer- <laughs> Dur- Dur- Thund- Doretta? Doretta. Dur- yes, Doretta. Yes. Oh, my dad, gosh. Her husband made fly fishing lures. They lived in Stony Point, North Carolina, which is a really small country town yeah they were very country people and again you know you're talking about being in she was probably well all of this would have been in the 80s because we didn't have a babysitter after we were you know 18 Mm -hmm. but yeah we had a um a live-in nanny yvonne and we had ann first ann was our first nanny ann was tough ann was very strict she made us eat everything on our plates which we hated Mm. And so we would get up and try to scooch things back in our plate or put them in napkins or do all kinds of stuff, which is where my love of peas come from. I hate peas. Um, I can't eat a chicken pot pie to this day. <laughs> because of that? Yeah. Because of Dorita? I mean, it was Dorita. literally... No, that was Ann. It was Anne. literally chicken pot pie every night, and you could not get up unless you finished it. Yeah. Oh, and one, time, one time when Teresa was trying to force, force the chicken pot pie down... She left the room. I chewed it all up and spit it back on my plate. She came back in there and I said, I ate it and threw it back up. I think I was like, I think I was like 10 years old. I but seriously thought I was going to convince her the truth, that that was the me truth. Me and Dale, I mean, we sat, we were the only two sitting down for dinner. I mean, like, we didn't yeah. have, like, parent dinners, you no. know, nine-to-five parent yeah. workers and parent dinners. It was just me and him. We had this glass table with these ugly yellow, these ugly, like, brown leather chairs in the kitchen. And, I mean, we would sit there, and <laughs> you couldn't see good, like, to see if people were coming because the hallway was behind you, and there was a doorway, and then the living room was over. And so we would, like, get on the lookout for each other. Yeah. You know, and be like, okay, can I 
well, tell me when I can get up and put them back in. And you'd get up to the go to the stove real quick and try to put stuff back in the pan. <laughs> and it was terrible. It was crazy. Yeah. Uh, but but the, the Bertha, she had that big no, green. Doretta. Doretta. Yeah. <laughs> she had that big green car. It's yes. so embarrassing Four to pick door. us up from school. Yeah. We even went to a Christian school and we were still embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. We would. Um, this sounds like that scene in Uncle Buck where, you know. It's just like his car. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Dale and I were, <laughs> we would try to get her to park down the street. <laughs> We would. Just Pick like an Uncle up. Buck. Right. Did it backfire? Did it like, kaboom? It was so <laughs> it stood out like a sore thumb. It was that. so bad, yeah. We'll get back to Kelly, but first let's take a quick second and tell you about our friends at Valvoline. We've talked about them before. Mm. I was sponsored by Valvoline for several years, and I even drove a Valvoline car at Darlington in uh, 2015. A lot of drivers are sponsored by Motor Oils. Valvoline, man, they're a little different. They were more than just a, a logo on the suit and, uh, uh, you know, on the quarter panel of the race car. They were a real partner, and what, what I mean by that is they were hands-on in, in our engine performance. They'd send teams to Charlotte to the shop to work directly with our engine guys in the garage to squeeze out more horsepower, depending on the power, the motor that we were running. They had a different mix of oils for each engine mm-hmm. to try to make that as effective as possible. Uh, plate races, road courses, short tracks, intermediates, it didn't matter. They had a solution to make the best power for that dif- uh, different style of racetrack. They even helped me get the monkey off my back at Martinsville in 2014. Got my first win there. NASCAR's, one of NASCAR's oldest track. I think, isn't, uh, isn't, is that the oldest one or is Darlington the oldest one? Darlington's older. Right. That's why Valvoline is the only motor oil I trust in my engines. That's why you should trust them in your engine too for high mileage rides that need that thick anti-wear film. To newer engines that have carbon buildup, head over to Valvoline.com slash Dale to find the product spec for your engine. That's Valvoline.com slash Dale. You remember our first go-kart ride? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about a couple of things that um, were uh, monumental like that. So, yeah, that was when you backed into the Godwire. I drove the... it straight into the Godwire. Okay. <laughs> you can't back a go-kart. Okay, well, I thought we spun around and you no, backed it No, what happened there. was, is y'all yeah. said, the gas makes it go, <laughs> the brake makes it stop. And I didn't know you had, I thought you mashed the gas and just held it. And so I mashed the gas and it's flying. And I'm, I don't know where, I'm just, I'm not. And you weren't at Daytona or Talladega. I had no so. idea where, I mean, I'm just, I don't know how to steer. But set this up. Who's who's putting you in a go kart? Dad it must have been dad. So okay. the, the go kart was dad's. Okay. Um, Papa Ralph built it for them as kids, and then we ended up getting it. So it was um, I don't know how to explain it, but like just a really flat metal pan with handmade, a couple bars, yeah. handmade. Oh. You know, go kart. So and Kelly I, had been riding it for a little bit. Dad's. I up. was the daredevil in the family. Yeah. I rode everything: motorbikes, you name it. Yep. Not she that had, one. No. No. She's like, Dad is showing her how to ride it. She's riding it for a couple weeks, doing really good, and he's like. Dale, get on it. And I sat in Kelly's lap. Our, and th- our driveway was, I don't know, 100 yards. Maybe, Is that a football yeah. field or something? Sure. Football mm. field. A little long. shorter now. And but we yeah. would, I would just go up and down the driveway, up and down the driveway. And at the very end of it was the telephone pole with a long guide wire right by the mailbox. And so they're like, just but that makes it go. And, you know, the gas makes it go. The brake makes it stop. So I mash the gas wide open and it takes off. And I don't know how to get it. I'm like, I didn't re- I don't, I can't realize or comprehend at that time that I need to lift off the gas and mash the brake. And I drove it right into the guide wire, and it went straight up the guide wire. And oh uh, my gosh! So you hit it direct, like you yeah, went, you, went, you rode up the guide <laughs> wire. I jumped, I, you can. I, I just remember jumping off, yeah. screaming at Kelly and Dad. This wasn't the only time that that happened. So <laughs> I remember bicycle wreck. Yeah. Down um down the street, 
Do you? I don't remember which one of us, but remember we T-boned a jet ski God, on a yes. lake day. Oh. I don't us. remember who T-boned who, but we did not want to go back to the pier to tell no, Dad. So it every now the and side then, of the ski, yeah, jet ski. We had to Ooh. sit down jet skis, yep. and she come by or I come by and sprayed one, sprayed the other. And the other ran wide open at the other and T-boned. Oh, so y'all were horsing and around. Split. Yeah. No, we were mad at each other. Yeah. It was like, if you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Well, you know, not it exactly, was but. Kind of. It was that attitude. And Wait, who hit who? I don't remember. I don't remember. How do y'all yeah. know? Let's just take a hunch here and say. He hit me. He hit you. Because if well, he was this mad, you didn't realize this was as mad as. I would say you probably did. You probably ran into I it. I don't know. I'm well, right immediately up. the anger went away, and, and we, we started. Fear. <laughs> we, fear. Anger turned to fear. Fear <laughs> came in of like who was going to tell dad and what the hell he was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> I think that says a lot about our relationship. Like we, we might one of us might screw up, but if we were together, we both went into it and helped each in other in defense yeah. of, yeah. It, of the yeah. other. You know, we I didn't go in there and go Kelly, dad, and you know Kelly's fault. Or she told me to do it, you know. Yeah. We just that w- didn't happen to my belly. I got my belly button pierced, and he wanted to go tell dad. God, I hated that because yeah. my but jewelry I was phobia. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but God. one other <laughs> one other time about running into things was um, um, the Volkswagen. So my dad, when but when I was like fourteen, and had bought the land where Delanhar Incorporated is now, uh, we went to the junkyard and right down the street, and he got me this dilapidated Volkswagen. And he put me a little radio in it, put me some lights on the front of it, and I rode that thing all over the was, farm on these logging roads. It was a manual, and the, pur- manual. the purpose yep. was for you to understand how to drive a stick because mm-hmm. you were getting ready to get your driver's license. Well, I mean, I was, yeah, still young, though, driving that thing around. But I'll tell you a little secret. I drove a lot before I had my license. Mm-hmm. Um, I would drive us all over Mooresville from dad's friend, Joe Whitlock's lake house. I would drive us home, which was about five miles what are you, in 14, our conversion 15, van. <laughs> yeah. 14 or 15. yeah. In, a, in the van. So in a you, conversion van. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but that particular Volkswagen ride. So I had this Volkswagen. We took it all over, you know, just little logging roads, little, um, dirt roads, you know, all over the farm. And Dale was riding with me, uh, this particular time and I come around this corner and I banged his side into a pine tree (laughs) and it had running boards so the board flipped up of course we were in a pine tree and like trying to get out oh he was cussing me to death I'm never riding with you again da 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 I'm going to tell dad I'm going to walk back and tell dad Two miles, you know, walk. <laughs> yeah, they in the walk woods. in the two woods. miles ever. <laughs> in <Yeah>. the woods. <laughs> I think I made it 100 yards. <laughs> All right. I was this like, uh, scratch that. Change of plans. <laughs> yeah. But he was always like that around riding things. Like he was nervous about them, didn't really do well on them. He was always really shy. He didn't like confrontation. Didn't He wasn't competitive, I guess, you know, in, in nature kind of. So him being a race car driver, and I always got asked that question, you know, what did I think about him being a race car driver and that kind of thing. And that's what I remember is that, you know, if you asked me when he was 10, was he going to want to drive a car 200 miles an hour? I'd been like, heck no, he's not going to do that, you know, because yeah. he was scared of everything. And yeah. um most everything. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you just a few weeks ago told us the story about where you ran into the pace truck at Martinsville. It seems like between the two of y'all, y'all run into just about <laughs> everything with wheels yeah. at, at that oh, yeah. point. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we got a little bit older, and we, like you said, we, we, we lived in a lot of places. We also went to a lot of different schools, mm. and um, we ended up going to military. I went to military school. Yeah, so, Dale got sent to military yeah, school. I was sent to military <laughs> school. Apparently, I was getting ready to get expelled from the Christian school we were in. 
What do you mean apparently? You didn't. Is that still a controversy to this day? Yeah, he wasn't expelled yet, but. But we, it was coming. It was coming. And it was. Yeah. It, we had, it, it had was, we had only been there for the one semester. We had been there. How do you do that? We had been there for the half of the year. We were at Christmas break. Yeah. And I something had happened in classroom, uh, talking issue. You got demerits or yeah. something there. I remember. You got written up. Yeah, you got. And I had enough. I had writ, been written up enough times to get expelled, and they basically were telling me that it hasn't processed. But once it processes, which when which is eventually when you come back from your break. We're going to kick you out. We're going to kick you out. <laughs> and I went home thinking, God, I got to tell Dad and Teresa that I'm about to get expelled. Or do I not? Or what do I? And as soon as I walked in the door, I, that plan went out the window because they were in the floor of the living room with pamphlets laid out oh. of all the military schools. They were looking at several boarding schools, some military, some not. And they had already decided in their mind that they were – Change. We were changing. I was changing. Schools. Well, I imagine as you were getting in trouble at the Christian school, they, the Christian yeah. school was calling home and telling them. So I did not know that. Dang. <laughs> I, did not I mean, know. that's just my guess as a parent. That's yeah. usually what happens. So they were already in in motion to move me somewhere, and which is in, interesting enough. But you ended up going to military school. I did. So why? All right. So you got all these friends. I mean, you got a, you got a you got a foundation of friends. Your home. I know, but keep in mind, yeah, you had friends, but we had changed schools like every two years. So we didn't have kind of the same group of friends. So I was all, you were always going into a new school, trying to meet people, you know, and friends. So let's see. We were at Brookwood um, private school Mm -hmm. for two years. I was there sixth and seventh. Where, when did I go to uh, military school? It was ninth and 10th grade. So I was there seventh and eighth grade at the Brookwood. Well, half of eighth, because eighth grade is when we went to Christian school. Mm-hmm. Or ninth grade is when we went to Jeez. Christian school. My ninth grade is <laughs> when I went to Christian school. school I know. Just to keep track right. of your school. I say there's 12 grades, and we went to like 13 schools. I mean, seriously. Right? We went to so many Why? schools. We did. Uh, y- y'all didn't move around that much. Well, you didn't move around. The, the problem was, okay, kindergarten back then was a separate school. It was only sure. a kindergarten school. Okay. First through third grade for me was Kannapolis, house burned down, moved to Mooresville, go to Mount Morn, which was the elementary school. We only went there one grade, fourth grade. Because it ended. Okay. Then I had to move to Brawley Middle School, fifth and sixth grade. Then they decided they didn't want us in public school anymore, so we went to private school, which was Brookwood. That was seventh and eighth grade. Then they decided they wanted us to go Christian school, so we went there ninth grade Southview for me. Southview and Troutman. Uh, yeah, Southview is still there. Yeah. And then, you know, and then the he gets guy across the, the tables gets in a lot of trouble. And so half of my ninth grade year and tenth grade year I spent in military school. And you were there already a year, right? I was there for a few months. Oh, I thought you were there for just a few weeks. I thought yeah. I went like a month later or something. Oh, yeah. And, um, and then finished up high school at Mooresville. So by the time, I mean, we were in a new school and Christian school. We were had left another private school, and those people weren't in our Christian school. So, you know, I, I mean, yeah, I had friends and the safety of having being at home, but... Um, I mean, I just was always looking out for him. I was always me and him. I mean, we spent so much time together. You're talking about having nannies. You're talking about having relatives. Your parents aren't home every weekend. We did not have the the normal, you know, family unit. It was just like me and Dale. So I didn't really, I mean, I I didn't want to be alone at home with, you know, a nanny or a family member or whatever. I don't even know who our nanny was at that point. And so I wanted to go with him and be with him and protect him. And, I mean, he was a scrawny little thing. You should see him in our military. Oh, I've seen um, it. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. I was four foot three Yeah. in the seventh And everybody else's grade. age was at least five foot. Yeah, they yeah. were a foot taller than me. 
Now, Kennedy's in the seventh grade, and she's five two. Do you, you know? reckon? Do you reckon you were getting demerits? Sub, you know, like almost like in your subconscious, just as a rebellion. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, like you said, he's not he he's not confrontational. Uh-huh. He didn't like that kind of stuff, and yet apparently demerits don't don't scare him. Jewelry scares him. Demerits don't. And it's he gets not like he's out. fighting his teacher. Right. I wasn't. I well, wasn't. Right. I was not mean to the teachers mm-mm. or at. Or it was just talking. This and, is what it was. Yeah. So when just, I would go to these schools. And we would have to lose. We would have to leave friends, go to schools, and make new friends. And when someone in that classroom became my friend, or talked to me, or showed me any interest, I couldn't help but over. I don't know. I would. I would get so excited about that, or or in, enjoy that interaction so much that I would often be caught talking in class, or not listening to the teacher, not re, you know. And interacting with my new yeah, friends. Yeah, you were more interested in the relationships yeah. that you were forming. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh man, this this person thinks I'm cool, wants to be my <laughs> friend. This is awesome. That's important. And I would want to just be. I want. I went to school because that's where my buddies were. Yeah. I like going to school, but only because I was going to hang out with my friends. Yeah. And so I goofed off in class, sort of class clownish, a bit of annoyance to the teacher, but not. Mean yeah, he wasn't, wasn't defiant or disrespectful. No, just looking yeah. for attention and yeah. friendship. Because we had to be extremely respectful. Yeah. yeah. Looking so. for companionship. Right. Man, yeah. it's somewhat sad. Yeah, you look back on it and, I mean, you know, I'm sure we had our feelings then of, of how we felt and felt, you know, unloved or not, just didn't have the right family unit, I would say. Knowing what family should be like, you know, now. And, um, but I don't, I don't think it, bothered us as much then because we, we had better. such a good relationship yeah. and and keep in mind now we were going to our moms and having a heck of a time in virginia when we would go there twice like, a year that was awesome and spend weekends with her when she would come down um so we had i mean we had a good life you know and we had roof over our heads and all that kind of thing it's just that in the family with dad and Teresa, it just wasn't very family loving you know situation i've always um, wanted to ask you this dale to be shipped off to a military school would, to me, be the probably like the it, at that age the worst thing I could possibly fathom. Let me tell you what the worst thing is. So, the first two weeks you're there, uh, when you go when you get there, there are other kids that have just gotten there in the same boat you're in, and y'all all kind of gravitate toward each other. You're all new. You just got all your fatigues, and and you're moving in. Y'all often are rooming with a new kid that just got sent there, you're telling each other why you're there, how you're there, why why you think your parents sent you there. So you kind of have that little nucleus. Uh, you don't trust any of them because you, you assume that anyone that's there is there for a reason. They're bad, right? <laughs> and so you, it's hard to really build any trust in there, in, in, that, in that school. But you do over time. You become friends with people, yeah. find people that you like uh, to hang out with. But the worst part about it was we... We would get to go home on the weekends, which was tough because our dad raced. And so he would often be racing on the weekends. And so to be able to see, go, our friends are going to see their families if they were relatively close. Uh, but a lot of times we wouldn't be able to see dad on the weekends or, and weren't going to races as often. One particular weekend, and this is two, three weeks after Kelly got there. I'd been there for about a month and I am home sick. The first two weeks you're in military school, they don't let you go home, all right? That's foreign as hell to any kid, especially in just a seventh grader, right? So you're missing the hell out of your family. And then I had to 
I had, if you get any kind of demerits for not shining your shoes, not polishing your brass, not being on time for something, you get written up. You have to work those demerits off on the weekend. And so that means staying and marching or doing detail, cleaning up trash, whatever. You're going to do something that's going to work these demerits off. Every demerit, you got a half hour work. So I'd worked in just a couple weeks I'd been there. I'd had a handful of demerits that was going to keep me from going home. It wasn't uncommon. For a lot of kids, no. new kids. I to mean, get, because you got in trouble for... You I mean, didn't you know. You didn't salute, like, the right rank of yeah. person. You could be walking by yeah. an 11th grade kid, yeah. and if you didn't salute him, he would stop you and write you up. Yeah, or make you do push-ups right on the spot. Yeah, and so that <laughs> wow. was another thing. Like, in, the mil- in your, mil- your military school, and you're the... the, the, the Older kids. Older like, kids are yeah. running the show. Yeah. They right? want to get They get yeah. a little bit of authority. Oh, yeah. And they're pretty excited about it. And uh, it was a little bit of initiation. You're rough on the younger kids. So, anyways, even if you were a new kid in 11th grade, you got, you got, it was Mm -hmm. hard on you. But we were, uh, dad was coming to pick Kelly up. All right. So I got this information from Kelly. All right. Dad's coming to get me. He'll be at the, he'll be up at the front of the school at X hour uh, if you want to see him. All right. I'll see him. So, I am in my dorm looking at the clock. It's 10 minutes till. I'm going to go up to the door. I'm going to walk 150 yards to the front of the school to see Dad pick up Kelly. And Kelly's going to get to go home, but I'm at least going to get to see Dad. And I walk out of my door, and I could see the front of the school 150 yards away, and I see Dad's black pickup truck driving away. (laughs) He didn't even wait. (laughs) All right? And I lost it. I'm talking, balling, and I'm running. And, I mean, they're gone. They're leaving, driving out, leaving, right? And I'm freaking out. And Kelly comes, I mean, for three days, two days, for all day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, thinking my dad drove up there, picked Kelly up, and Kelly's in that truck knowing that I was wanting to come see Dad, and they left, and Dad just drove out. Kelly comes back, and I'm like, I can't freaking believe that Dad left and didn't stop, didn't say hey to me. And she goes, oh, that was chocolate driving Dad's truck. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Y'all chocolate Myers. Oh, my gosh. I was like, God damn. Why in the hell did Dad not, like, so then I go to why didn't Dad yeah, want to come sure. to see me? Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. You know, and that says a lot about, like, what Dad was at RCR working that day, just up there doing a seat or something in Winston-Salem, yeah. which was near. And had him come over and, and had, get, that's right. Hey, yeah. go get Kelly. Go yeah. pick her up. Yeah. I was the last thing on his mind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know. <sighs> That was the hardest. The bad thing about about that, like as he was telling that story, I'm thinking about dad and the disciplinary person that he is. And, you know, you have a kid now. You have two girls. I have kids. Um, I really try to separate the person and the and the behavior, right? So you really try to discipline, you know, this behavior is wasn't appropriate, da-da-da-da-da, but I love you, but, you know, we're not going to stand for this. Dad, that didn't, and, you know, I think it's sort of the times a little bit, I think, um, but also that's how dad was parented by his dad. And so dad's parenting, that, I mean, for Dale to think that his dad drove off from him was not out of the ordinary to think because that's how dad would have treated a situation. Son, you're in trouble. You got demerits. You're not getting any of my attention. I'm going to go along with the whole punishment thing. Yeah. And that's how he did things. Yeah. I mean, that's how he disciplined us in punishment. So it was like he didn't – you you felt like he didn't like you. He didn't love you, you know, during times when we were in trouble, which we we had extremely strict rules. And, and our trouble – was massive like when we got in trouble 
They took our TV away. They took our radio away. They took our toys out of our room. I don't know where the hell they put all this. Mm. But I mean, it was massive. I remember I was 17 years old and like this boy in a neighborhood around down from the farm. I told dad, which I lied, okay, and I granted I lied. I told him I need to go to the um, CVS to pick up something for school that I needed for a project. So I left the farm, drove to this boy's house. Why my dad picked this neighborhood to drive through? Because you don't come through this neighborhood to go home to our house on the lake. But he did, and he saw my car, and he walked up to the front door. And he knocked on the front door and got me out of that and was like, what are you doing here? You said you, you didn't say you were coming here, da 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 I got grounded. For like, I'm 17. I got grounded. I had to quit my job. He wouldn't even let me go to my job. I had to quit my job. You did lie to him, though. I did lie to him. I know. I did lie to him. I mean. I did lie to him. But I mean, like, who, you ground your kid and then you make them quit their job? <laughs> that That's aggressive. I mean. <laughs> but but it's consistent. It is consistent. You know, it was very the, consistent. Like, listen, of all the parenting tips that I've received <laughs> Consistency seems to be one of the things oh, that yeah. is, is most prevalent to like if you're really going to there raise no, your kids right, you have to be yeah. consistent. Yeah. Don't let them think that you're can be talked off of yeah. your discipline. Well, with dad and Teresa, you knew what was coming. There was consistency. There was no doubt. <laughs> there wasn't no, you know what, I might this I wonder if they'll go easy. There was no doubt. There's no mercy. That you were gonna get, <laughs> Cobra what, get what was coming to you. Well, and the bad thing is like even if it was an accident, like, you know, I mean accidents happen. You they there was just no convincing them of anything that it was just yeah. yeah it was straight on down so, down We'll uh, fast forward. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just want to... Well... I don't know like, how y'all aren't more screwed up than you are. I mean, like, you guys have every right to be completely, like, you know, getting therapy every day. I'm just saying. But go ahead. I think that... Uh, we saved each other. Oh, there you go. I, um... So, you wanted to talk about late mile racing. Us working on... Us racing together. Me working with you. Yeah. Uh, we we talked a little bit last night, and um, that was one of the things that you wanted to touch on. And I was just trying to figure out exactly what about what about that part of your, uh, you know, people talk about your racing days. Yeah, uh, there's that I was the best one out of the group. You were the best one out of the group. <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. That's what I, I heard. But I watched that's the common. That's the common thread. And in, in, in um, you know, I would be interested in your take on because I've heard that you know all of our life yeah. for the most part. But I wasn't that good, per se. I, I mean, will, I can I, help you. <laughs> All right, so there's a. We but to, I was aggressive. I think we used to talk. There's a term like you can you can pull a rope, but you can't push a rope. All right, and the 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 deal with that is is like you can't make somebody drive a car harder or deeper into the corner if they're not willing to do it. Like, and we yeah. wa- I watched you race enough, and and you watch other people race and and struggle and they either are over when you first start driving a car typically you're either going to overdrive the car or you're not going to drive it hard enough and then there's some people where you just can't convince them like they got to get in the corner deeper like you only way you're going to make the corner work is to drive in there a little further and they just don't have it you can't push that rope yeah but with kelly it was never a problem about getting her to drive deeper no the problem with kelly was that she (laughs) overdrove the car she yeah. would drive the car in beyond its ability to yeah. hold, you know, hold the corner, and we would, t- you know, we would convince, we would talk and they talk. They would try to convince me of that <laughs> about, you know, back, you know, back it up a little bit. You know, it's you're getting in, you know, you're losing the back of the car in the middle of the corner, or you're pushing because of the, the way you're getting in the corner is too deep. 
so that was where the promise was in Kelly. She had some great runs. She put yeah. together a lot of complete races. She would she didn't do she didn't make mistakes. She could go out there any week and you yeah, I never, didn't wreck a lot. You or never worried like about yeah. her doing something foolish on a restart, not yeah. knowing where she, she was very self aware on the racetrack, which is very uh, you know, a important quality. And she put together a lot of complete races. I talked I was talking to LW about this. When you can go to the racetrack I could send you could go to the racetrack and I went with you a lot when I was working on your cars for a year or two. And I never worried about, man, we're gonna tear it. we're gonna be working on this thing, fixing it next week. I just know it. I never worried about yeah. what kind of silly thing's gonna happen on the restart or or is she gonna run somebody in the fence or turn herself in the wall. I never worried about none of that. It was really what I worried about was who was going to wreck me. Wreck you. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Yeah, because Kelly was a girl. Yeah. Oh, so you you, you <laughs> took a lot of the brunt of that just by being a female? Well, yeah. I mean, just a young female and being Dale Earnhardt's kid. I mean, we Man, all she was took like that a double to be yeah. Dale Earnhardt's kid first, and then I was a girl. Yeah. Right. Man. And she was good enough to mix it up in the middle of those guys. She wasn't hanging on to the back. She was in the middle of that mess. I mean, there were there were probably about eight to ten competitive cars at the track she'd run at, and she'd run anywhere in that thread yeah, I'd from run anywhere, first to eight, ten. Yeah. Right. You know, she, her, she she would average, I guess, from fourth to fifth. That's, I mean, um, uh, in in and around some very good tough competition. I I would run as I would run about the same at the same racetrack as would Kerry. Kerry maybe not quite as good as that. Kelly had the the uh, the basics of of a good race car driver. You could you could eventually work out the the flaws of her overdriving the car. Yeah. But that was going to be a whole lot easier pulling that rope than trying to push one. Yeah. And so that was one of the thing if she I feel like for sure if she had been if she had stuck with it you know we would have been able she I say we because I worked on a car for a little while and was always around with her giving her the advice yeah. that I thought she needed um, dad wasn't there and and she didn't I mean there were other people around trying to help but I felt I mean, like did dad ever see you race dad never saw me race Not, never saw did he ever see either. you race 159 mm-hmm. late mile races and he never saw one race nope did how many late model races did you run I ran three years worth, so I'd say ninety to a hundred. Okay, would you so say, not Dale? quite as many yeah. as you. He know, started before me. Okay, yep, down I, at the beach, and stuff. I know if Kelly had we our late model program was a little bit different. A lot of people ran coilovers that were very competitive, three link cars. Dad insisted our cars had big springs, which is actually something very popular today. Dad insisted our cars had tr- truck arms. He thought, well, if you're and gonna, those big old steering <clears throat> wheels. Yeah, he thought if you're ever going to make it in cup, this is what your car is going to be. It's going to mm. be big springs, trailing arms, yeah. but that wasn't the ticket back yeah. then. Yeah, and so we really couldn't compare our cars and setups to other teams. They were running 400 pound front springs. We had to have 800 pounds. Oh wow! I mean, our cars yeah. were set up completely different, and we were typically we had a little bit of help, but. We were really kind of going off of our own notes. Yeah. And we've really all kind of struggled being competitive. But as far as talent, Kelly has ability, raw ability. And had she stuck with it and actually got around some people aside from myself, I was in the same boat she was in in experience and knowledge and help and advice. If we could have got around, if she could have got around Tony Sr. and other people as her career career went on, I'm uh, certain that she would have been a competitive race car driver. It was hard. It was hard on her. I remember we were testing at Myrtle Beach one day. We were I had been running a little bit and I ran there every week and Kelly don't didn't run there and she came up there to run one night and her, we went there for a, the day before to test and she was frustrated. She wanted to go there and run as fast as I ran and I run there every week and it just wasn't, you know, you're just going to take a little time to figure out the line and all that stuff and she was getting so frustrated 
And I'm like, you got to do this. You got to do that. And she's like, finally, she just snapped. And, <laughs> and uh, I was like, man, you know, I was, I, in that moment, I realized this is not as easy for her as it is for me. And it's hard enough being an Earnhardt, but being a female, that was, the, that was when I learned how difficult it was for her as a female having the pressure. She had a lot more pressure on her. Y'all weren't climbing the same slope. No. Yeah. Hers was steeper. And that's when, that's when it kind of set in to me that, that, that how hard this was on Kelly. And mm. to continue, I think, and I'm speaking for you, but you can tell Good, me. Good, because I don't have a lot of memory of all that. I, yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you said she snapped. Well, I don't even know what that means. Well, she what? just started she crying. She started Probably crying. crying. Yeah. I got you. She started crying. It was just me and her. Okay. We were, we were sitting there, and I was like, Man, you know, we, she came into the pits and clipped the. Uh, pit. I wasn't gonna cry in front of those other people that helped no, 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 me. No, 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 no. She, <laughs> right. she clipped the pit wall with the rear end and bent the rear end housing, and she thought, "Damn it, the race is tomorrow. Yeah. We're practicing. The car's ruined." I'm like, "We're gonna fix the car. Don't worry about it. We'll get the housing out and torch it and fix it, and it's gonna be fine." And she just started crying right there with me, and I was while I was trying to give her the advice about her line and throttle and all this stuff, and I was like, "Oh my god, man!" <laughs> I'm thinking this is like I. I feel I've got it pretty good. Like I was already, I was stressed and and not winning. I was running second, third, fourth every week, and uh, I well, was, and mind you too, like you know, because a lot of people ask why I didn't continue racing. So when we started racing, I moved home from college in the middle of '93, drove Dale and Carrie Street Stock for the rest of the balance of the year at Concord. Um, stood. I mean, I had a hard time there. Stood in the payoff line. Girl turns around punches me in the face because I passed her boyfriend, okay? What? Um, so I had a rough time from the start doing that. Then in 94, we got our late model program together. I, we ran that in 94, 5, and 6. I was going to college. So I moved from Wilmington, went to Charlotte, was going back and forth to college. I lived in Concord, would go over to UNC Charlotte to school. And then I worked part-time. So I started working for Champion Sports Group, which was the company that did the Good Wrench and AC Delco hospitality and things like that. So 94, 95, I'm working part-time, I'm going to college, and I'm going to race on the weekends. I graduated in 95 uh, in that half a year, and then I got a full-time job at Sports Image. So then I worked full-time, but luckily they would let me leave on Fridays around 2 o'clock to go racing. So I didn't work on my cars. I wasn't around the people. You know, Dale did work on my car for about a year and a half, but we had other people that, yeah. you know, we kept our car at these other people's shop. Me and Carrie did. Dale didn't have to do that, but... You know, Dale worked. He was with his race car. That's all he had to concentrate on was doing that. And um, I was doing lots of multiple things, you know, to, to, to race and to go to school because dad was really wanted us to go to school. And then I started working and, and I started doing well working. And so, you know, the sponsorship and stuff fell apart for our late model program. Mm -hmm. And so Carrie and I, you know, just kind of went and did our own thing. And then Dale got the opportunity to run the Bush car in 97. I think that was the first time that you ran. And then obviously, you know, got the opportunity to go racing in 98 full time. Um, and I just, you know, worked full time and racing was done for me. You know, it was no, what, and I don't even remember it really. It was just, okay, y'all don't have any sponsorship. Yeah. We're done. You know, that was it. It was no, well, not too many things have changed in all these yeah. years. I mean, you run out of sponsorship, yeah. you're sort of screwed. Yeah. But, you know, now, and I've said this, you know, in recent interviews, you know, looking back, I'm fine with the way that that played out because looking back, having lost our dad and then coming to work for Dale, that was what I was being set up to do, you know? Your destiny, so, you think? Yeah. yeah. So I'm, you oh, know, I mean, that's, yeah. I think that that was probably in motion well before that. Yeah, I mean, I really you guys feel that have way. been training for, yeah. 
for to, to to be there for each other for a long time. And I look back and I think, you know, well, gosh, what it, you know that what could have been, what could I've done, could I've you know been a good race car driver because I love the other aspects of racing in terms of you know people and personality and and work and talking to the fans and things like that. But, um, you know, I don't question, I guess, what I was supposed to be doing because I sure. feel like that's all worked out. You don't really. have any regrets. Yeah, I really regrets about that. But that's why I was so excited when we got Danica to come drive here because I think I lived vicariously through what she was doing. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember know. that. Yeah. <laughs> so. so you talk about coming to work for me. Um, I guess you called me and said, hey. I got an idea. <laughs> you need help. <laughs> you look like you need help. Yeah. Well, you know, so when our dad passed in February 2001 and and I came to work for Dale in August of 2001, um, I don't really remember us spending a lot of time together. I mean, I'd go to the races and stuff, but we weren't spending a lot of time emotionally together talking. I think we were both, you know, handling dad's death in several ways, and, I, and he had to carry on and race every single weekend. I was working in the souvenir business. Teresa was going through the autopsy oh, situation. Man, that was a mess. Yeah. Um, yeah. The souvenir business, you know, we could not keep dad's stuff in stock and people, you know, the more we could produce, the more people wanted. And Teresa wasn't able to focus on that. And so my company was getting very frustrated because she was tied up in other areas that we couldn't do things. And so I'm sitting in these meetings having to listen to, you know, not talk negative, but I'm just having to listen to, you know, can you help us out? We need to get this done. Da, 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 da. I'm like, not my deal. You know, I'm not getting involved in that. Would that have been your dad's position before he passed away? Or was that always Teresa who was now preoccupied with other important things? Well, I think, I mean, dad would have been heavily involved and so, business people would have been involved, but nobody was making any y'all moves. Y'all were lacking leadership now. Yeah. Well, you were lacking leadership, but nobody was going to make any moves until Teresa, you know, at that point, I think Teresa was in charge. You know, no, no, no there was no Don Hawks or whatever. Who, whoever was there, the Ty Norris's of the world, those people were put on notice. You don't make a move until this goes through sure. Teresa, you know. So, um, so I, you know, I, I felt like that as those things were transpiring, I mean, I was getting frustrated on my, my job. And I knew that dad took care of everything for Dale. You know, I mean, whatever insurance dad had is the insurance Dale had. Whatever bank dad banked at is the bank that Dale banked at. You know, however dad made a contract, that's how Dale's contract was made. You know, whatever dad made for his first race, that's what Dale was going to make for his first race. You know, that's Whatever just how, he's running in whatever. his cup car, you're running in <laughs> your late model car. <laughs> dad ran the show. I mean, you showed up at dinner. And, you know, you was going to have a table of eight. You stood around the table until dad told you everywhere to sit. You sit there, you sit there, you sit there. You know, and that's just how it yeah. worked. So I knew, <laughs> and I knew our relationship with Teresa was, it, we were, it was going to be difficult. And I just felt like that Dale really needed somebody to look out for him and not do everything the Dale and Hart Incorporated way and, and her way. And so... We talked about it, and he's like, you know, there's no way you can come work for me. You make too much money. You know, why would you want to come work with me? Dale's always had um, these very high expectations of me in terms of, like, what my life was going to be like. We talked about this, um, like, as far as husbands and stuff. And he's like, I always thought you'd marry a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. And I'm like, I'm so not that kind of person, you know. But he always just had, he always had me on this pedestal of, of these expectations of things to do. So coming to work for him, I, he's like, you don't need to come work for me. You know, you're doing all these other things and I can't afford to pay you. 
So I'm like, I'll take a pay cut. I'll do whatever. So we worked it out, and, and it's worked out good ever since. <laughs> you took 50% pay cut. Yeah. Did and you know it was a 50% pay yeah. cut at the time? I yeah. made six yeah. digits, yeah. She he, made six digits and took a 50% yeah. pay cut to, to five digits. He knows, <laughs> five, very five he knows digits. what I make. I, I signed on his first computer at, at Best Buy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I was a co-signer. Yeah. When, uh, <laughs> when the first PC game... Uh, for racing came out by Papyrus NASCAR Racing yeah. Original. Um, I didn't have credit, so Kelly had to sign for a computer. It's yeah. a $400 computer, yeah. and I helped. I paid yeah. like 100 bucks a month on to you. Hmm. He would drive me crazy because he would never pay his bills, and he would have all these. You remember your Time Life subscription? Yeah. <laughs> Time Life. Yeah. The, like, wow. what Hellraiser. Was the, the music. <laughs> the music. Solid Gold or something. Oh, it drive gold me crazy. Soul. I had the tapes. Solid Gold Soul. <laughs> Uh, subscription. I had the Country Classics yes. oh subscription. Gosh. Yeah. You'd oh. walk in his uh, trailer <laughs> that he and Carrie shared and like the bills would be laying on the counter and it'd be like, you know, your power is going to be connect- disconnected in 15 days if you don't pay this. <laughs> then you got these time lights and I'm like, why are you buying time life and you're not paying your power bill? <laughs> uh, well, help me understand this though. At that time, this was 2001. You yeah. had already... You had Budweiser for a couple of years. You were making money. Why couldn't you afford Kelly? You weren't you weren't broke. You weren't mid nineties broke. Yeah. So he didn't really know what I had. had. No, I, I had no idea what I had, how much money I had, how much money I was making. Yeah, that really no it. idea how much money you were making. Not a clue. Mm-mm. Yeah. That weren't you ever curious? I wasn't getting a paycheck anymore. As far as so, I went from getting I, when in ninety. I don't even know what year, but like I went from getting a paycheck, looking at it, going, okay, uh, three hundred fifty bucks minus. There's my taxes, and uh, that's no. when you probably worked like at the dealership or either yeah. like on my life or something. I go to get a normal paycheck. Yeah, I go to BB&T and put deposit my <laughs> check in my account, and then I'd go spend it right and spend it for the you know next couple of days, and then get the next check. And then uh, when I started racing for Dad, I didn't get a the checks. I just didn't get a paycheck anymore, and I would get a. I'd get an uh, envelope from her, uh, from Teresa or Don Hawk or somebody, uh, like quarterly or whatever, with race winnings and my salary. And I wouldn't look at it. I'd take it to um, D. Neal's sister. Yeah. He had Jamie. a little secretary that paid his bills. Jamie was stuff. sort yeah. of paying my bills yep. and, and depositing my money. And yep. I would give it to her and say, here, deposit this. And I never, I never would look at a checkbook, never look at a balance, yeah. never look at anything. So I didn't know what I had, how much I had, how much I was making per week, per month. I didn't know what my salary was. <laughs> I didn't Damn. care. I didn't never when when I didn't care before. Why would I care then? Because well, the answer to that, in my opinion, would be that at that time you had been paraded out with Clydesdales and everybody had made a big deal about this huge sponsorship. Life was never so, been done. Life was awesome. Yeah, but I, yeah. I mean, I would have thought it piqued your curiosity at least to look at the <laughs> at the at the check you would get. No. But it didn't. But yeah, wow. and he was just kind of like in from at his age. I mean, he was that just makes, still a kid. So that, yeah, I and, mean, and so does, that should make sense as to why the number that Gibbs showed me mm-hmm. made me freak. Yeah. And then when I okay. went, you were forced to look at the <laughs> yeah. This that was the first time that I got a good idea of what people thought my worth was. And then I went to meet with Rick, and he tried to hand me that sheet, and I gave it back to him and said, you and Kelly do this. I don't want to see that. Mm. And I just let Kelly pick out my salary. Kelly, you figure out what my salary is. It's pretty be. much that was the way that he operated on, you know, most. I mean, if he wanted something, he'd come tell you that, I, you know, I want to get this or buy this or whatever. But as long as 
he knew he had money in the bank and he wasn't going to go broke. That was that know, was enough. That was enough for him to know. And I mean, that's how I mean, that's just how we've operated in the last all these years in the yeah, last probably five years, three to five years, I would say. He's gotten a lot more involved. Really, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, you got married. Yeah. <laughs> you got to. <laughs> well, it just kind of grew, you know. You, I mean, I think, you know, I don't want to say just grew up, but, I mean, really, the years after Dad passed away and being thrown into what he was thrown in from the Budweiser situation, you know, just all the attention and publicity and everything, then your dad passes away, and then you've got all those fans and all that attention. And then, you know, every day the whole sport rests on your shoulders. Every, every day – you know, okay, Dylan Hart's not here anymore. This is his son, Dylan Hart Jr. He's going to take over the world, you know. And, and at that age, I mean, that's a lot for somebody to handle. And so he he's already not a multitasker kind of mind person. So, you know, that, that was enough. Like, okay, this is what I got going on. You handle mm-hmm. this bucket over here, you know, because I don't want to process anything else. I didn't think you know? that knowing and learning and understanding all that financial stuff and would be beneficial for my mentality and my emotions and my... Yeah, he might be broke if he knew all that. I probably would have. <laughs> I, I probably would have become really egotistical, really, um, uh, I'm rich, you know. Yeah. Get it out of my way. I don't, yeah. I don't deal with you folks, yeah. you know, oh. like that. That would have that would have sucked. That would have sucked. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember what that first week of working with him for him was like Do, when you got into the papers and stuff? Did you have this moment of like, oh God, you know, like? Well, we took it. It, it we wasn't took a mess. Things very, it wasn't no, a mess. it wasn't a mess, and we took things very slow. So when I came to work over there, I mean, his secretary Jamie, you know, she stayed there working. He had a couple. He had his motorhome driver, and and I just sort of, you know seen what was going on, helped get things a little bit more organized. But my focus was really on the relationship with Don Hart Incorporated and mm. getting involved in that relationship. So, you know, again, the end of 2001, this is going on. We had a contract through 2004, I think, at that point. And I just wanted to start getting involved in those discussions. So whether they were sponsorship discussions and what he was doing for them, uh, we did have, I mean, there there wasn't really anything at his office that needed to really be handled. So that was kind of where I focused on just trying to get involved and, and put myself did in. Did you feel that was a disruption to the what, to the DEI flow, you being involved? I mean, was oh, that? Yeah. Okay. And, oh, yeah. And so what was that like? Because I would imagine that the relationship standpoint of that would have been complicated. Well, you know, it it was. I mean, the the thing about it is that most of the people that you worked with at Dillon Horn Incorporated were great people. You know, the people in PR, the people in marketing, the people in sponsorship, you know, working with Ty Norris. They all wanted to have me involved. They wanted to do the right. I don't want to say do the right thing like she did the wrong thing, but ultimately the decisions were Teresa's. And so how he got paid, how things got split, you know. And, and a, I mean, an example is if you're talking about a Wrangler sponsorship, you know, they would get a sponsorship, and then my goal was to get a piece of that for Dale from the standpoint of doing a personal service agreement. He would have to go do appearances or photo shoots or whatever. And so just working that out, they were reasonable in that until it got to her. And then when it got to her, it was she felt like that it should all go in Dillon Hall Incorporated's, you know, piece and that he was lucky enough to be driving a race car and getting paid to drive a race car, and that's how it worked. Well, I didn't think it should work that way. So everybody that we worked with, you know, was amendable and agreeable to well, that. So where, do, where would these uh, disagreements land? 
in La La Land somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I knew where they land a pile of paper on her desk. Um, I mean, it, 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 you, you felt like you never got. You, we never, never got, got there. You never got. I mean, where that's he, why we're not deserved. there. We never right. got there. You right. know, we we had great conversations with Ty Norris. We had great conversations with Max Siegel. We had great conversations with Jeff Steiner. These are all the people that came in. You know, in the president role of Delanhar Incorporated through those years that we were there. Um, but, you know, meetings with Teresa and conversations with Teresa were very few and far between. And she knew what she wanted and it didn't line up with what we wanted. And so eventually we just had to, to make a decision on what we were going to do. But that it was lots of letters, you know, lots of persuasion and uh, lots of frustration, you know, and just yeah. trying to get that done. So, yeah. Boy. That's yeah. That's another. That's a podcast for that's, another. Right, day. That, that really is. It really it's is. amazing. Um, we should do that and just when, talk through the whole story. When of, did you get your first raise? For me, about later a year than ago. Probably no. first, last year. From him, yeah, like two years ago. Seriously, that's not yeah. true. So yeah. Kelly, yeah. you called me. See, this is the problem in working with Dale. Dale, like. I'm ashamed, so even though I'm smiling and laughing. No, don't be ashamed. I'm a little ashamed of this. No. Go ahead. I mean, I gave myself raises. Don't get wrong. Don't don't get wrong. <laughs> okay. So I mean, don't don't feel sorry for me or anything. But you know, you everybody in a position wants someone to tell them they're doing which he's never had a problem telling me I do a good job. But, you know, just you you want somebody involved in what you're doing and to give you a raise. I mean, it always feels weird giving myself a raise or whatever. But trying to explain things to Dale because they're complicated because his world is complicated and so even if i just try to explain like how something works i got to give him a long backstory because he's not involved in any of it you know so asking doing that it really was at the mr hendrick was kind of the first person to say like okay dale look and and he would always say i remember these conversations when we started working with mr hendrick he would say Oh, she's fine. I mean, if something happens to me, she's going to get everything I got. And this is before he got married and had kids. And Mr. Hendricks like, no, dude, that's not how it works. Like, you got to take care of her now, you know. And um, so, yeah, it was about two years ago. And he sat down and looked at it and talked to other people. He, he did due diligence and talked to other people and other drivers and how they handle their people and do things like that. So it was pretty funny. Yeah. But it was good. She's like, you know, <laughs> I haven't gotten a raise from you. I haven't gotten an evaluation from you or anything. And I was like. Dang. I guess is, that, is that something I'm supposed to do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to give specifics, but like, give us an idea of if if the raise got you back to what your fair market value is. Like, how did you get a fifty percent back? Like, like what? Like, how significant of a jump? You, you guys yeah. throw around raises like it's a you know a two percent raise or a three percent raise. I would say that it was probably no. It was a very nice raise, and and it was. And in fact, he even went to the extreme of making up for some years. Okay. You know. What do you call that? Back pain? Retro. 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 Yeah. But I mean, he looked at it and was like, you know, I've been, we've been doing it wrong these, all these years. And I, I mean, I'm, look, I came out of college making $23,000 a year. I didn't, that, you know, I had an apartment, mm -hmm. I had a car. Life was grand and good, and if I needed to go back to well, $23,000 a year, it might be a little hard in today's time. But, you know, I've, I've not suffered in, or anything of that nature no. but um, uh, by any means. But, uh, yeah, so, oh, yeah, I would say it was probably 50%. That's yeah. pretty interesting. <laughs> so you've been working as a GM for, for me, for Junior Motorsports all these years. You're also in a lot of things that a lot of people may not know, know about as far as the um, 
licensing industry and and you're in a ton of meetings as far as nascar's evolution uh from an owner standpoint um do you realize you know that you're a straight badass in the industry <laughs> i mean when especially when it comes to, to, to females in yeah. nascar um and business women uh you get accolades and 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 credit often from very various you know groups uh for your for your ability yeah in in the in the boardroom and so forth and i always tell people like you know i'd put kelly up against anybody in negotiations of any form um rick's often talked about how aggressive and yeah. and capable you are and um <laughs> has that been a a goal of yours to become who you are today is well respected and, and appreciated and and where do you go from here i mean what what's next what's the, what's the next achievement for you i know you're mm. you're raising kids and you're trying to you know you're trying to you're gonna Balance i family. know what that is <laughs> yeah you got family and you yeah. do a great job yeah. as a mother and and a and a and a wife uh to to share time with them and yeah. and you have a lot of things on your plate are do you did you set goals i guess to achieve did you reach goals did you achieve things that you hope to achieve uh, are there things out there in front of you that you want to achieve in a professional business standpoint? Yeah, I don't really think I didn't set goals. I mean, you know, you and I talk about this even from a junior motorsports perspective. We never thought that we would be a four car Xfinity organization, you know, when we started in 2006 uh, with one car. But um, so, no, I didn't really set any goals. I mean, I set out when I went to college to be a criminal justice major and. I don't even really know why I was just interested in like detective and that kind of thing. And so then when I changed my major to business, I did that just for the scope of a business major. And, um, you know, I, I didn't really know what I would do because, you know, dad didn't really want us working in his businesses. Um, you didn't see that on the horizon of, of working in the family business. Um, so th what's happened has just, organically happened and happened by the hard work that we've all put into it and I don't it's really hard and I know you can appreciate this because I think you do this with yourself as a famous race car driver it's hard to see yourself as that person that other people see you as so you know yeah. I mean I I definitely know that I've made a mark in this sport and I'm a great business person but I don't that's just what I do I, it's just what I wake up and do every day and um I don't, you know, set a goal to do X, Y, and Z. And I just recently got asked to be on the board of Brant, one of our partners. And, um, you know, I'm the only outside board of directors that is going to be on that board. And, I mean, that is like a huge honor to be on the board in a family-run and owned business that they would look at somebody like me um, to, to be on that. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm down to earth. I'm a straight shooter. I don't like BS, you know, when you deal with me, I just want to know the facts, the figures, why you think it needs to work that way, and let's run on with it and prove that it'll work out. And if it don't work out, we'll start over, you know, but I always want to give people the resources to try to do what they, you know, intend to do. Um, so, but I, I don't, I think that's why things work. I mean, I'm just down to, down to earth and hardworking. I've always had a work ethic like that, and I don't know where it came from. I, yeah. You know, I do say that's like a positive of our childhood from that situation is like we were built to survive, so to speak. I mean, I feel that way about myself. I'm not so sure about Dale, <laughs> but I, I, I can't speak for him in that, but I feel like we were set up to survive situations and, and hard things were put in front of us for that, from that standpoint. So, 
So I think um, this is what I do. Yeah, and uh, in my mind, you 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 said it. You know, I see you like a lot of other people see you is a very important person, not only in my life from and, and from a personal and a business yeah. standpoint, but you're in the in the industry. You're very important in the industry and in being able to help people understand what's critical and what's important and what needs to happen in certain situations from li- from ownership to licensing, uh, all types of different departments and compartments in this sport. And it's my belief that you're only halfway uh, through your journey. Yeah. Um and that there's even more greater accomplishments and milestones in your professional future. You, I know you. We talked last night. You, you, you want to keep this limited, but <laughs> I want you. I want people to know yeah. that you're in the middle of writing a book. Yeah. About that very thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you know, as far as like what the, what does the future hold? I got no idea. I mean, I hope that you know the future holds continuing to be part of junior motorsports and on the race teams and you know dirty mo media and building mike's vision and creation with dirty mo media um you know whatever you have in store for your life but i think that there's still a lot of things for me um, you're on the board of, you're on the board over at the bank I'm, yep i'm on the board of blue harbor bank been there 10 years a community bank locally you know well, how many boards are you on? Yeah, that's a great question <laughs> i'm on um uh, I'm on the foundation board here for Dell Juniors, and I'm also on, so just three, Blue Harbor Bank, which is a community bank here in Mooresville, Brant, which is a new position. My first board meeting there is in late July. And then um, Children's Hope Alliance, which is a, a nonprofit based here in uh, Statesville area that we've worked with for the foundation for a long time. It used to be Barium Homes. Barium Springs Home for Children. Um, it's been around for 130 years, and they help, uh, not so fortunate kids, kids who have a lot of trauma in their life, whether it be physical abuse, sexual abuse, just bad home situations, um, they bring them in and, and work with them therapy-wise and therapeutically-wise to, you know, be either back in their home or whatever, just to be better-functioning adults from the childhood trauma that they've um, experienced. So I'm on that board, too, which I love all of it. Um, but Dale was alluding to, I'm writing a book, um, been working on that. So I was introduced to the people that published Dale's book, Racing to the Finish. And they looked at me and they said, have you ever thought of writing a book? And I was like, actually, I have. <laughs> so, but my, I wanted to write a book about a lot of the things we talked about very early on in this um, conversation, you know, of our childhood. But as we started talking about what the book would look like, it does have a lot of that in it for several chapters of kind of setting up the scene of who Kelly is and, and why Kelly and yeah, it's and it's necessary. necessary, but it is a leadership principles book. Mm-hmm. So, and, and it's, it's about, you know, it, it's my experience as a leader. So, I mean, I'm, you know, what I say may or may not work for other people, but I just want to share what I feel like has worked from a junior motorsports perspective and running the businesses that I've run from, the experience that I've, you know, brought to the table. So that's what it's about. And it's got key principles in it. And I'm really excited. So I read a lot of it. It's amazing. I'm excited for people to to see this. I just, I know it's uh, still in the process. I want to put it on everyone's radar. Yeah. Yeah, It Uh, doesn't come out till uh, spring of 2020, but we'll keep you posted. I want it on everybody's (laughs) radar because it's incredible. You talked about how you, you went through your childhood a little bit. If you thought this was an honest interview, you wait till you read the Mm. book. Yeah. Um, can I ask a quick question about her business leadership? I think it's interesting. Well, I lead you. You do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know, I know. But we were joking yesterday. We were having a meeting, yeah. and uh, and and we were joking how some colleagues of ours in the industry or whatever say they are 
intimidated by you. Yeah, I know. And, and we, I laugh we laugh, about that. We, we, laugh, we had a good laugh in our meeting, and then half the people in the meeting said, I mean, I am too. I'm intimidated by her. <laughs> you know, yeah. Do you, Why? Do you think you're intimidating? As a, yes, as you I do. do. Why? I do. Um, I don't know why, but I guess because I'm just matter of fact and straight to the point. I'm not afraid to say if I don't think something's going to work, and I'm not afraid to ask for more information. I'm just not afraid to challenge people, and I think that's what you know. Typically, um, I'm not afraid to bring up things that I think they should think about in a situation, even if they're you know hardcore things to think about. The but reality people should of the appreciate that. Not be intimidated by that. But not a, but but every I, I don't, don't know that it's a bad a I don't people, know I think that could be very similar in in uh, in it's a it's the intimidation is also they admire they yeah, appreciate Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it kind of goes hand in hand that intimidation I think that when is they a hand over yeah. I got you. When thing. they hand over you. the email or the piece of paper with whatever they want to suggest or do it's just like what holes is she going to poke through this? Yeah. I, Really, and so I think when, that's the intimidation. You, have you part. ever felt that way when, you know? in, in conversation? So, yeah, yeah. When so when Kelly walks into the room, there's oh, only, he hates the way that I work like that because I bring up all the things that you know he, he doesn't doesn't, want he doesn't want to have to consider. Uh-huh. You know, I'm like, man, this is a great idea. Let's do it. And she goes, well, let me tell you what. <laughs> let me tell you why it's not. <laughs> let me tell you so why that what won't you work. need to think about first yeah. is this, 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 and I don't want to think about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the fun part. Um, but you know, Kelly, similar to Dad. When she walks in the room, you realize right away that there's a person that's not going, not nothing's going to get over. Nothing's yeah. going to get past. She's already studied and prepared for what's getting ready to happen in that room. And everybody in that room, nobody's going to be able to slide anything through, you know. Or, and, and so that's why I say that I could, I could take her into a negotiation or uh, about anything and I think I've done my homework, and I think that I've got all the questions that are important to ask. I'll ask them, and she'll come in behind me and ask questions that I never thought of. Yeah. That I'm like, oh, wow, dear, that's important. Yeah, sounds important. But, yeah. but yeah. so, I, you know, that is, I am a very black and white, nuts and bolts, how does this work, get me to the bottom line, what does this mean, and... I would say that Dale is, um, and and I'm thinking about when you got your concussion. Yeah, and, that was one of the moments. Where yeah, and I'm just thinking about like Dale is very how he feels about something emotional. You know, well, yeah, not not emotional in Sensitive? a bad way, no. but like you know, uh, an attachment. My, I think with my uh, heart. Yeah, yeah. Aww. Well, and Kelly, Kelly uses Kelly is. I think tuned, with my mind all the time. herself to yeah. think with her brain. Yeah. And I think with my emotions, yeah, you know, what a, what's and things that really are important to him, he will, you know, if this all this memorabilia, it doesn't matter if it's you know two million dollars worth of stuff in here, it is important to him. It's an emotional attachment, something that hits him right here. He's going to do it, and I'm like, well, here's why you shouldn't spend two million dollars on that. Yeah, because you know? we parade people through <laughs> right? here, and they make no, whatever. Right, <laughs> I'm just saying that's you know, so that's like when we had our situation when he. Um, our situation, our little living room yeah. uh, conflict. When he's like, "Just be my sister." So we're. Well, like, oh, this was the concussion thing yeah. that yeah. he talked about in the book. Yeah. So yeah. Let, let's spell that out. So um, you know, obviously, if you read my book, this is a very important part in there, um, where me and my sister sort of we over the. I mean, she's been an amazing sister, supported me emotionally and personally for years through uh, through everything all the way up till today. But it 
in, in, at one point in our lives when I hired her, so from that point on, she has always uh, thought with her business mind. And especially of late, since, you know, in the last probably decade, every decision she's going to tell me how that affects me from a business standpoint or, or a financial standpoint or what have you. And, and it was critical for her when I was thinking about retiring from concussions to think that way, right? She worked, that's her job. We were in my living room and I was like, Kelly. It was just Amy, Dale, Amy, me, and LW. Yeah. And I was like, Kelly, I want to retire. I'm hurt. I'm hurting. Uh, this is, I don't, you know, this is hard and tough. And, and I, what do you think? And she goes, well, you know what? This, uh, let me talk about this. It's going to affect this relationship, this partnership, this sponsor. And this is what, you, you know, in, in her mind, she's going, well, if you retire today, you'll have this much money and this is how it'll play out. And if you run another year, you, this changes. And if you run two more years, this changes. And she's thinking in her head numbers and dollars and, and financial stake, right, and partnership. And part, All of yeah. which is important. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I was like, no, 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 no. No, like, like I, like, brother to sister. Yeah. I'm I'm hurting and I'm 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 feeling bad. But he really yelled at me and said, "Just be my sister." And I fi- I mean, I kept trying to get her to say, "I love you and I care about you and I don't want you to be hurt and I don't want you to race." Yeah. Or I never said that. Isn't that bad? Yeah. I'm sorry. And I screamed at her. I was like, "Just be my sister." Mm. For- I thought he already knew that I loved him and yeah. supported him and you know. Yeah. Yeah, she, I can see. I can see and agree with both your vantage yeah. points in this. Yeah. It's There's amazing. Of, true, then, yeah. then there was yeah. a lot of crying. Yeah, and I had to go to the bathroom. Uh, for a while. I had to go to the bathroom for a while and think. It, I was like, "Oh my God, what have I done?" Is that really no, what I you were thinking? Back, I yeah, was really quiet. Yeah. Thinking, yeah. Right, she was very quiet, and I, 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 I felt like that I, had, I shut down in those moments. I, I felt like <laughs> that I had insulted her or hurt her feelings in some way. And I'm like, I just want her to tell me from a sister's standpoint. And it's so funny because on the flip side, I'm thinking, oh, my God, I feel so bad that I didn't even consider being emotional and consider being that way. So yeah. we're both thinking the same exact thing in our mind. You're both thinking out for each it, other. Right. Yeah. Like my mom. You know, if I go to mom and say, mom, I've had all these concussions and I think I should stop. Yeah, you should stop. I love you. <laughs> you got your wife. You're going you know, to have a family. I love I think you should. You've raised enough. Look, you've done enough. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, I'm like, all right, yeah, I feel, I feel good about that. Thanks, Mom. When I'd go to Kelly, she wouldn't do that. She would go, well, you know, this is how it affects junior motorsports. This is how it affects Hick- <laughs> Hendrick Motorsports. This is how it affects Nationwide and Mountain Dew. And this is how it affects these other partnerships that you have. And this is, uh, you know, this is your financial situation personally. Um, and I'm like, no, no, tell me, like, be my sister. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, it was, we had, we were not. On the same page, even after since then we've been on the same page. Well, yeah, I mean, in that moment, you know, we weren't, and she came out of the bathroom. Even then, I thought, "Oh my God, what have I done? She's going to quit right here, and uh, and just try to." Had you thought about that? No. Okay. I have this fear, like Kelly's just going to go. I'm done, you know. And I have okay. So we're going to stop right here for a second because this has um, this is kind of a. Oh, God, I don't even know what the right word is. Telling on myself or, or kind of bringing something to your attention that I don't think you've ever noticed. Um, coming coming forward with something. Yeah. So there was a time. Oh, no. You remember. You will remember this. Okay. There was a time that I really considered quitting. I do remember this. I don't really remember exactly what it was over. I, I think I do. You do? I'll, yeah. But Dale has never, ever mentioned the fact that up in the hallway – of our offices, 
the Dale Earnhardt uniforms that used to hang in that hallway. Do you remember the Tasmanian Devil Dale Earnhardt uniform and no. the white uniform that was with one of the yellow and blue cars? Yeah. There were three Dale Earnhardt, you know, the Wrangler the uniform white ones over at my house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that you gave me. Well, you have a white one and I have one. Yeah. Okay. So the Wrangler uniform you gave me, my Tasmanian Devil and that white one hung up there. And I, I got really mad over a situation. And I came in, and I took every one of those suits down. I took everything out of my office that was mine personally, and I packed it up in a tub. And it's still packed up at home. And we put his suits up in those things. I mean, right away. I had my assistant out there. I'm like, I'm mad. I'm done. I'm over this. And we put those suits back up there. And he's never, ever said a word about those fire suits I didn't being even gone. notice. <laughs> No, yeah, I, I would, but I, I still don't understand what, probably, what, what does that mean? You were taking your dad's fire suit, you were taking him to take out, out and you were leaving. I was moving out and yeah. leaving. Wow. And I was putting, like, I'm done. I am getting my stuff out of here and I'm taking these out and I am leaving. I didn't and even notice that true. either. And it's right, it is right outside of my office yeah. and I didn't know back. that. She never put them back. I just she thought it was, it, it was time to change it up a little bit. I don't know. I remember. I don't it's probably been three so, or four years ago. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's been probably yeah. like four I years it was ago. Longer. No. Time passes no. fast for you. Yeah. No, but but you know, far. you guys, I mean, it's you sort of. Well, let's see. Okay, it's 2019, so it wasn't, let's see, you got hurt in six. It was probably, probably 2015 or 16. Yeah. That's right. I imagine. My gosh. Yeah. You guys are like an immune system, though. You sort of start self-healing, uh, and you, you don't do. even realize yeah. it. I mean, you guys are so close about that. But it makes me want to ask, you guys aren't the only family that works at Junior Motorsports. So how yeah. difficult is it to work with family? It's hard. I mean, you um, even have your husband here. So yeah. tell me the difficulties it is We got for you. uncles. Well, yeah, we've yeah. had, we've aunts, had cousins uncles, yeah. and aunts. Well, and it's hard because obviously as a family member, people expect you to, you know, be have that um, – connection that family connection check on them how you doing pass them in the hallway hey catch up so on and so forth but then you have to have business conversations with them you know and you have to be in situations where you're talking business and sometimes you may have to to say or do something that you know they don't want to hear or something they're not performing in their job or something's not being handled or I mean it can be as simple as just I mean, discussing a raise with them or whatever. I mean, all those are hard conversations, you know. And so you have to have this balance of a business-minded person and, you know, that personal relationship and keeping those separate, um, which is really difficult, you know. I would imagine so. Yeah. I mean, because you're a direct person. Yeah. You get right down to the nitty-gritty. Sometimes yeah. the family doesn't want to get down to the nitty-gritty. Yeah, I talk about that a little bit in my book about relationships with family and that kind of thing. And, the, and it's hard. And, it, and my mom and I struggled with this because, I mean— it's hard to be mean to your mom, so to speak. I mean, it's hard to be, it's hard to tell your mom to do something or be a certain way, but. And she was a bit of a boundary pusher. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, she would like text me in the evenings, all these things that she didn't like going on at work or whatever. And I'm like, hey, I'm off, you know, I'm not at work. I quit. At, I left at five, you know, yeah. and, um, but, and. You know, they it's it's hard. I mm. mean, especially from the boundary of a mom. I mean, an aunt's different than a mom, an uncle's different than a mom, you know, different than your brother, different than mm -hmm. a sister or whatever. So yeah, it's hard. It can be tough. But we miss her. Yeah, we that's, do miss Brenda. Yeah. You I, you really I mean there there's scenarios and I know you know this. We go through these uh seasons, whether it was your concussion and and uh and, and Kelly seems to emerge more superwoman than even you thought before, right? <laughs> In the episode with your mom, 
that happened just in the spell of three months, four months, mm -hmm. I, I couldn't believe how she was able to run a company, take care of your mom, take care. You got three kids. And they happen to be a wide well, range of ages. <laughs> they suffered. I don't know how. She, I still. I don't know how she does it. Yeah. I could ask her right now how she did it. She would answer. I still wouldn't understand how she. Well, did yeah, it. and I don't know how it. I mean, I don't know how it happened either. I, I just know I was wired. I'm wired. I mean, I am built genetically to respond that way to whatever the situation is. Is to like go into kind of that fight or flight. You know, you, yeah. I go into a situation prepared to handle, straighten it up fix it, make it the best it can be before looking at it from an emotional standpoint whatsoever. And I don't know why, but just am. But it catches up with you. <laughs> yeah, like you, you do that. Like you'll, you'll yeah. like with mom, with mom's uh, illness and, and her passing, you went into crew chief mode. Yeah. And then you do the emotional thing part after. after. I know, I do. And you did that, you know, you do that all the time. I actually wrote that down to ask my therapist about because it, it's happening right now with my daughter. She's moving home from college. And I, I'm so excited about her moving home from college. But all of my um, efforts are focused on where she's going to live, what it's going to look. You know, all my efforts are these logistic things of getting her. The mechanics. The of mechanics it. of how it's going to happen, who's going to move her, when bolts. they're going to move her, da 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 da. And the emotional part will come about me. I mean, I'm excited to have her here, but. Every time I talk to her, it's just about that kind of stuff. And she's like, Mom, you know, are you going to call me for anything else? <laughs> you know, you're just going to call me and tell me that you love me. But it's, I'm just wired that way. I don't know. I'm going to get to the bottom of it. Though, and I'll let, <laughs> on the next time you have me on this podcast, we can talk about we'll it. We'll just have a therapy yeah. session right here. Because my therapist is smart and she knows why all that stuff happens. So yeah. I don't know how she does, but <laughs> she's good. You do a radio <laughs> show, but in my mind, we always have Fastlane family sitting in the mothballs ready right? to be brought back out. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> that was a good yep. podcast. Yeah. Yep, well, we, we definitely um, enjoyed our conversation with you today. I knew it'd be awesome. I was excited this morning when I got up uh, to come over here. And I told Kelly last night, I said, this isn't going, this doesn't have to be the interview of all interviews with you. We want to have you back and we're going to have all kinds of other chapters and stories that, to tell. Uh, we've already yep. got some in the works and some planned as far as talking about the DEI days. And, yep. Uh, cool. Wow. I can't imagine what that will be so like. we'll let <laughs> so be, be taking some notes the older i yeah. get the more courageous i get so you just keep pulling me in here right. that's, that's, that's definitely evident noted that's definitely evident yeah. in your in the book that you're writing uh, yeah and uh and and all kinds of and that's how you're funny. running this business this junior motorsports company that's won a lot of championships over the last couple of years yeah. well so, thank you guys for having me i've enjoyed it absolutely you, go have fun yep. on your uh, radio show sounds good thank you Got a new partner this week on the download. When it comes to making life easier, Clutter is the undefeated champ. Oh, this ought to be good. Clutter is the world's largest full-service on-demand storage experience. They take the self out of self-storage. With, <laughs> oh. with Clutter, finding an affordable place to stash your things has never been simpler. Just sit back, relax, and let Clutter take care of the rest. There's no guesswork, no wasted space. Clutter helps you find out just how much storage you need. It's zero effort. Just schedule a pickup, and Clutter will be there to pack and move your belongings to store in their secure facility. Wow. The best part, yeah, Clutter, their price match guarantee means that you get the lowest possible monthly storage rate. Nice. Clutter has a great sign-up bonus for our listeners. Get $50 off your first month when you sign up at clutter.com dale. That's on top of Clutter's no-hassle moving 
online inventory management, free pickup and delivery, and price match guarantee. See why Clutter is better and get $50 off your first month at clutter.com slash dale. That's clutter.com slash dale and enter the promo code dale at checkout. That's promo code dale. This ain't your average race recap. Unfiltered commentary and an abundance of opinion. Mr. Nice Guy or Mr. Get out of my way. I'm like Johnny Cash, we ain't afraid to walk the line. Listen to Door Bumper Clear, available on major podcast platforms. Door Bumper Clear. All right, Mike, so uh, I went on Twitter the other day and said there was a secret um, <laughs> that I had to keep. Someone else was going to tell the secret, but my secret to tell. It was going to be told uh, by Regan Smith. And the secret was that he is going to drive two races at Junior Motorsports at Mid-Ohio, Road America, in the number eight car. Uh, I, I hashtagged it, getting the band back together. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people were uh, excited about that news. Some other people were uh, very surprised that I was able to keep the secret. Me being one of <laughs> I them. I thought that was funny that Regan said that, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and the reason why I guess that is such an awesome deal is you know immediately okay so Regan gets starts communicating with his partners and they are interested in working out a deal to run these races he comes to uh junior motorsports kelly i imagine or somebody joe joe um joe mattis that works here and says uh you know i got this deal and they lock it down i get that information uh, a couple days later and it was a very awesome surprise all right (laughs) And let me tell you why, because you know when we went to we went to Regan, I went to Regan and I said, you know what, I think this kid has a lot to prove. I think he's talented. I want to get him in our car at Junior Motorsports. Mm-hmm. I talked to him on an intro stage uh, somewhere at some race. He ran the last race of the year at Homestead in a Junior Motorsports built car. Uh, Steve Latart called the race, 2012. Uh, yep, and he won it. Right, and I was like. Hell yeah. See what I mean, everybody? See what I mean, Junior Motorsports? See what I mean, Hendrick Motorsports? This guy can get it done. All right, he drove our cars for a couple years and did great. Won some races, uh, battled it out in some solid championship battles, came up a little short. But I think if we had continued to work with Regan full-time, we would have eventually gotten that championship. Yeah. Anyhow, we became very, very close. Uh, We'd go up with – me and Amy would go up with Regan to Colorado to his house. Uh, We hung out all the time. He would come with me to Key West, and we'd hang out – um, we just became very, very close. And then we had to make a decision or a decision was made where we weren't going to work together anymore. Tears were shit. It was difficult. It was hard for him, hard for me. Um, it put a strain on our friendship, which is still strong today. Um, but it's just, it's, it made, it was hard. It was very, it's one of the hard things about racing when you love working with friends, but it doesn't last forever. Nothing does. I learned that early in my career that the good people in your life uh, professionally, are going to come and go, and you just got to be ready for that. And this was one of those scenarios. I would have loved to have worked for Regan and work, or worked with Regan as long as he could race, uh, but that wasn't in the cards. And we've had a chance to run together since then. Uh, but any time that he comes in the door and says, "Hey, let's go run a race," it's freaking awesome, mm-hmm. and it, it gets me excited. And so that's why. I was excited about that secret, excited about that news, and I'm glad that Regan was able to announce it. And uh, look, for, he's a rattlesnake, as I said on social media, behind the wheel. He's I amazing. love his style. Yeah. 
especially at road races. He gets up on the wheel. He's excited about racing there. He said so himself. He loves those two racetracks, and he's won at one of them, uh, mid-Ohio. So in very grand fashion, moving that 22 car out of the <laughs> big. way. It was Wang. big. Yeah, there's a lot of tear shit over that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm excited, and I hope we can give him a great opportunity to go out there and race for the win again. It's, Absolutely. You know, I, can I just also add to the significance of Regan and the way in my mind that, uh, uh, of his importance to what he, what he means to junior motorsports? I look at junior motorsports from start to finish in three eras. There was that, you know, early days, and we wrecked a lot of race cars, yeah. and then, you know, Brad Kozlowski kind of came in and gave us some legitimacy, mm-hmm. but then he left. Then there was that period of just, we sucked. We just did. We went two and a half, three years without a, a win, and it was, it was demoralizing. Regan's win changed it into what I think is the era that we are still in, and, and it gave us momentum. We had not won in three years. Regan wins in that very final race. Gave us an offseason to actually boast about something, feel good about life. Huh. You think about it. That gave us momentum that we have not lost yet. We have won races in every single year. Every t- We've won three championships since that all happened. I look at Regan as, this, as the, the guy that came in and gave us that boost and is we are today reaping the benefits of what Regan Smith brought to us that that night at Homestead Miami Speedway. Yep, that's absolutely. in my mind. I just that's that's why it means a lot to me too to have him back. I agree. Uh, he I think you know he's still got a lot in the tank. And uh, like I said, I guess the pressure is on now for Junior Motorsports and that eight crew to bring a bring a you know rocket for him to the racetrack because he can get the job done if we can give him the right car. I went to the racetrack the other day and drove a race car. Um, yeah. I want to. I want to say, man. Uh, <laughs> I haven't drove a car since uh, Richmond last year, and a couple things. Um, people all the time say, you know, uh, man, you should run the Indy Five Hundred, or you ever going to run the Twenty Four Hours of Daytona again? You ever going to do this? You ever going to do that? Uh, listen, when I went and drove that car uh, the other day, it reaffirmed to me my belief that no, even the greatest of race car drivers cannot assume that they can just skip around from track to track whenever they please and jump in any type of car they want to run and be great, all right? Back in 20 years ago, and even more so in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, it was easier to do, all right? Mm. It was because there was not as much competition, Okay. all right? And you could get in a solid car and in good cars and be competitive, all right, there's so much competition today in the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series. I'm just taking those two scenario, those two series out of the many that you could choose. And you can't assume, even me or anyone else, uh, that they're going to just take a year off and jump right back into it and pick right back up where they left off. All right, now you got the Greg Biffle example uh, at Texas. I'll be honest, he, you know, the, the stars aligned that night for Greg Biffle. They he did. did. Great, he did a great job. Won the race. But there's a lot of things that played into that, put him in that situation. I don't know that I thought he was going to win that race half a quarter of the way or halfway through. And I, you know, and I did go to Richmond last year and run run, run way better than I ever thought I would. Yeah, led laps. All I right, mean, geez, yeah. led the most laps, ninety four. Yeah. But it, but who's counting? Driving, I drive. <laughs> Not a big deal. T- but driving this car the other day, I was out of breath. It was hot and miserable. <laughs> I'm telling you, it rem- and it was hard to do. Was it? It was hard to do, and. It just really made me appreciate, I guess, just how elite uh, the drivers are in the Xfinity Series, in the Cup Series, in any series you want to name. And the guys that do it every week are honed and tuned, and they're elite. They're at the peak 
right? Because they're doing it every single week. We had uh, Casey Kane in here several months ago last year talking about how he can't expect to do well in the World Outlaw Tour without unless he can get there and go every, you know, race after race after race for three to six months. He needs to be able to get in that routine of understanding how the cars work, how the tracks work, what's, what's actually good, and how, the, how, how to drive the cars, what they need, what he needs to be doing. He can't just hop in there and be the old Casey Kane and dominate. He's got to work at it. Those guys are too good. Tom Brady's got to go to training camp. He's got to get reps in. Yeah. If Tom Brady took a year off, yeah. he's going to come back and he's going to have some struggles. Yeah. There's going to be some rust. In, in baseball, those guys, they got to, you know, they yeah, don't, the they don't jump yeah. right back in there and just start nailing it. I just was really taken aback, I guess. Were you able to knock the rust off? Did you feel you got to? Where I didn't you run enough flaps. Okay. I didn't want to, re- I didn't want to, uh, it was a situation where I had a very small window of oh. laps to run, but I could tell that, you know, if I was there all day and or, or, or several days that I would eventually get back to where I wanted to be. But gotcha. to, it was just so impressed. I was just so impressed, I guess, by how hard it was. Uh, to jump in there and just say, "Man, I'm gonna run 15 laps." So I don't know. That was really that was a really interesting experience for me. You know, I ain't been in a car in in, in months and months and months. Ain't even thought about it uh, driving a race car. So I'm telling you, if you want to get out there and compete in the Xfinity Series, Truck Series, uh, Cup Series, you better you better be uh, be ready to re- you go up against some pretty tough competition and get your butt handed to you a little bit before you figure it out. Um, so with that said, looking forward to Darlington, uh, later this year. Um, I won't drive a car again until we get to that racetrack and, and, and <laughs> well, at least it's a real easy racetrack. <laughs> I know, right? I picked up, I'm, I'm it's thinking, a challenging as one, we Bill. get closer and closer, I'm sitting there thinking, <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> uh, it's going to be hot as heck, miserable. Um, and that's a day race. What the freaking heck? <laughs> yeah, dude. Why didn't I race some other day? I'm this month, ButcherBox is offering free bacon for life. Bacon. That's hard to believe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a little hard to believe. Where do I too, sign up? <laughs> too good to be true. Sign up now, actually, and get your first package of the best-tasting bacon free in every box for the life of your subscription. Are y'all hearing that? Yeah. That's free that's, bacon that's, for life. That's incredible. That's all you got to tell me. ButcherBox bacon is Whole30 approved uncured, nitrate, and sugar-free. Right now, new members will get a package of bacon for free in every box for the life of your subscription. Plus, you'll get $20 off your first box. Mm. The meat from Butcher Box is high-quality, healthy protein you can trust. It's 100% grass-fed and finished. Okay, the term grass-fed doesn't necessarily mean the cattle was fed on a grass diet their entire lives. No. A lot of the time, cattle is started on grass but then fed grain for the last portion of their lives, which can, can take away all of the benefits. Grass-finished beef or 100% grass-fed beef means the cattle ate nothing but grass their entire lives. They also offer free-range organic chicken, heritage breed pork, and sustainably caught wild Alaskan sockeye Salmon. Salmon. <laughs> Salmon. Yeah. Salmon. There's no easier way to get high-quality meat you can trust. Butcher Box delivers right to your door on dry ice. That's right. That's right. You got this box? I did. I got it. I mean, the thing that probably is the first takeaway when you open this box is it's a lot. Like, oh, yeah. the box that I got, it's more than we need. I mean, for between me and Amy and, and Isla, it's a lot of meat. It filled up the freezer 
perfect for your family size yeah, of your fa- family. family. You got of a four. couple. Yeah, you got a family of four. I mean, it's a lot. Okay, it's a it's an amazing deal. We had big old chicken breasts individually wrapped in there, pork, ground, lots of ground beef, a lot of fillets. Wow. Um, it was just full of meat. It was incredible. A lot of lot of uh, there's a lot there. Try it out. You'll be surprised as I was at the quantity and also the quality. To receive $20 off your first box and a package of free bacon in every box for the life of your subscription. Golly, I just can't believe they're able to do that. I don't even know how they're able to do that. Well, they're promising it, man. For for the life of your subscription. Go to butcherbox.com slash Dale Jr. or enter the promo code Dale Jr. at checkout. Go now. It's a limited time offer. ButcherBox Bacon is sourced from heritage breed pigs and is uncured, nitrate-free, and sugar-free. And don't forget about that sockeye sound. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like saying sockeye. 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 It is time for Valvoline Question of the Week. Dale Jr., this is every man's favorite thing to do. Life hacks. Things you can MacGyver. Do yeah. it. Do it yourself. Kind of engineer. Common sense. Do you have any that come to mind? All right. So I thought... Long and hard about this last night. Talked to Amy uh, for some advice. Um, you guys can let me know whether you think these are uh, life hacks okay, or not. Right. We'll let or, you know. Or ingenuity in an unlikely situation. Uh, so back when I lived in the double wide with my brother, Carrie, uh, we would have parties and, and uh, get a little crazy. And, and sometimes the wallpaper uh, in, in various uh, living room, dining room, whatever, kitchen would get this... Uh, Torn, ripped, scratched. Uh, I'd imagine. Yeah. So anyways, the wall gets a little dinged up. Uh, our trick was to take helicopter tape, which is clear, Yeah. and it's wide, and it's thick and durable. We'd go into the closet, get a little razor blade, and cut a square of the wallpaper to fit whatever you're replacing, and then take the helicopter tape and the square of wallpaper oh, out of the closet uh, and, me. and put it on the wall. You know, you got to line it up to where everything's. Yeah, right yeah, yeah. And then yeah. helicopter tape it down. <laughs> he, life hack. So you'd see the sheen. He, pa- he paid so much attention to making sure that things were lined up because you don't want anybody to think you're classless in, no. the, in your repair work. <laughs> if uh, you don't, of your I mean, if you go looking for it, you would see it. But if, yeah. it, you wouldn't, if it's not lined up, it's going to pop in the corner of your eye. Right, because you're yeah. gonna go. Oh, that's weird. What's that square? Okay, what's but that? What's that shiny square? If you line up the lines <laughs> and whatever design it is, you're not gonna see a square. You're gonna see nothing. That's right. Unless you go looking, scooping in there tight, yeah. you'll see some. But nobody's doing that. Some. So you'll see some helicopter tape. So does that fall under the lines of? I, uh, I, why not? It's not. It I wouldn't I, call yeah. it a good one. But Ingenuity. It's, it's, it's taking a vote. Sure. Taking a vote. Right. Taking a vote. Here's three. The next one. Three people vote yes. It's all a good life hack. We used to race skateboards, all right? And we used to race them around, uh, we used to race them in an oval, all right? A skateboard oval? We used to skate. Nice. We used to race in an oval uh, on this little track that we built, uh, concrete flat. And so when you go through the corner, you leaned, right? Yeah. And a lot of times when you're trying to get a little extra, there was a point where you'd you'd listen, the, the skateboard just come out from under you. All right, yeah. and you you always try to get right up against that point, that 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 edge or that that, <laughs> that right up against the envelope of losing traction and the skateboard flying <laughs> out from under you. Right, very painful when that skateboard would leave you. Yeah, and you're leaning, you're going down and uh, down hard. So what we did was we would take duct tape 
and tape revolutions of duct tape around the right, the right side or outside wheels. And so you would take a lap on your skateboard and that would knock off the duct tape but leave the gum, the oh. sticky from the tape. Yeah. Would still be on. It would be slick probably the first few laps. Well, first corner. Yeah. So the first corner, it, it knocked the tape off, and then you'd have the glue from the tape, the gum from the tape. And boy, did that give you some grip. Life hack or no? That's a damn life it's hack. Not only, it, I, I it, like it's that not one. only a life hack, it's the redneckiest life hack I've ever heard More of. More than a actually. patch in a trailer? I mean, listen. No, you're right. There's Come a couple on, of good. Yeah, yeah. That's a good, that's a racer right. life hack. Yeah, yeah but like I'm that. telling you, you brought if racing you're common sense. skateboarder and need a little extra grip <laughs> <laughs> on your wheels. DIY. Put a little duct tape on there. A couple, couple revolutions. However long you want that grip to last, that's how much duct tape you need to it's add. It's kind of like soaking your wow. tires. That's but right. The this is amazing. It wears it off, you know, quickly. So one, one revolution, one layer of duct tape that's like qualifying. is going to last only a few corners. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. This is awesome. So in, in my house in Key West, I've had a I've had a Apple. So to be able to send if you're a guest and you're gonna go to my house in Key West and you wanna connect to the you wanna connect your phone to be able to play music yep. through the stereo, I had a Apple Airbase that you could connect to. And for the layman or for the average person that hasn't used one it's it's a bit of a challenge to connect to and and to link your phone to it so you can play remotely while you're sitting out by the pool or whatever okay well it, it dawned on me the other day why don't i get rid of that thing and just get a bluetooth base so they have these little bases of bluetooth bases that have little antennas and you plug that directly into the head unit of the of the stereo and you can bluetooth to your phone easy there's no login, there's no password, and I can say, hey, man, go if you're at the house, this is how you play your music through the whole house stereo, right? I've even heard that people are doing car stereos that way. People are taking their cars to a place like if you were going to uh, Freeman's Car Stereo, used to be around yep. here in Charlotte. It's still in Concord, yeah. So you go to Con- you, you might go there and say, look, I'm getting, I want a stereo put in my car. Maybe it's an old car you're restoring. And you want to leave the factory one in there, yep. but just put a, you don't want to hook it up. You put an amp stereo and a Bluetooth receiver or a Bluetooth antenna, and basically you run your phone through the stereo. Yep. Life hacker no. I mean, I th- I'm, I'm pretty impressed by your ingenuity on that one. Um, I mean, I, so yeah, I, I think that's a life hack. My vote's yes. Yeah, okay. You yeah. might have heard of it. I mean, uh, to it's be honest, not common. I no. wish my I mean, brain thought common. like that. Okay. My brain doesn't think like that. Not to be Leah right. or anything, but it's I not can't spectacular. think of You should have started like with that one first. <laughs> well, I got a couple more. So the, I'm just thinking of these, and I'm just going to let you guys decide what their life hack. <laughs> did I, I did you hear that? Did you hear what he just did? No, it's not a big deal. I think that Bluetooth to me was on the borderline of probably not being a life hack. But I think it is. I'm impressed. If you want to now impress us with another yeah. one, okay, I want an impressive one. I used to smoke. We all, you know, now I'm a, I'm a spokesman for uh, Nicorette. Now is uh, they got the cool ice mint lozenge that we're trying to promote. But back, you know, probably eight years ago, I quit. Before that, I was a 15 year smoker. I built this house uh, that me and Amy now live in, and I played video games all the time. I played on the PC. I have a desktop PC. I'm sitting at that desk. I'm racing. I'm playing video games first-person shooters all day for hours. And I would smoke over and over and over all day, right? Smoke, chain smoke, sitting there playing video games. And I put a fan. I built, I cut a hole in the wall, and I mounted a fan. And basically kind of looks like, if you were standing outside the house, it looked like an opening for a dryer. You know, those yeah. little oh, like dryer a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a small, t- it was just a small flexible hose 
to a hole outside the house and I could have a little light switch and I'd set my ashtray next to that fan. And the fan's in the wall. I can't see it. I got a cover, a little graded cover to put on the wall. And I could flip when I was smoking, I'd flip that switch and it was always running that fan and I would sit my ashtray next to it and it sucked the smoke out. So the house never smelled like smoke. That's damn. The only problem with that is some that draft that it was pulling would all would sometimes light the butts on fire. Oh no, really? Yeah. So I don't sometimes rarely, but sometimes I'd have a little fire in my ashtray. But life hacker no. Life yeah, hack, that's a life hack. hack, and considering you were smoking, probably in the most literal sense possible, you were life hacking. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> getting rid of that. That's funny. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness! I got one. I got one written down here. Tiny house windows. I yeah, I was wondering there. what the hell that one was. Yeah, I don't even know. I'm sure Davis has one. Tiny house to, oh, windows. Oh, oh, I think you meant I have tiny house windows. <laughs> no, I don't you don't have a tiny house. It's like, what the, what the hell is that supposed to mean? I don't even know what that would have been. All right, so um, <laughs> the other one. Okay, so after the smoking in the in the wall, I'll try to figure out what I was trying. That's a note. I can't even remember what I was trying to think there. But So we we recently partnered with Blake Cook on Filter Time, mm-hmm. basically a subscription filter, air filter business. You you sign up for Filter Time. They'll send you filters for your HVAC on a monthly schedule every three months or whenever you want to do it, right? Okay? Me and Amy have been having a lot of trouble over the years with our house cooling, all right? And we had a company come through and seal all the baseboards and basically vacuum seal the house to where they could, before they did this job, they could measure how much heat loss we had and how much air was escaping right. the home. All right. And they went through the whole house and sealed it up. And it was supposed to uh, not allow all this cool air that my, my HVAC right. is making. Right. And it did an amazing job. My house is freaking cold. Right. But, we like our bedroom to be freezing. Like I cannot, Me I want too. it to be so cold in there that I want to bundle up. Even in the wintertime, I want it to be cold. Yeah. I want to bundle up. We put door sweeps under our bedroom door and the bathroom door that go to the bathroom. There's two doors that enter my bedroom, and we put door sweeps under them to not allow any, whatever, you know, to not allow any air that's being pumped into that bedroom to escape any cold air. Life hack or no? Putting door sweeps under your door. Sealing your doors. Life hack, yes. I uh, mean, sealing yeah. anything to, to make yourself pretty, more comfortable, yeah, that's a life hack. That's a life hack. If you did it, yeah. So those are my life hacks. and my Those are a couple that I could think of last night. I need to bring you to my house and just you, you can go, you hack, go crazy. Can you hack my house? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go hack my house. You're hired. Davis. I, I, listen, I can, the only thing I could really think of was I rigged a... Uh, I re- you mentioned video games. I, for whatever reason, was playing a video game that I couldn't put down. I had a new baby. Gracie was just born, you know. And this, by the way, it was a life hack that I I now know to be not a smart parenting deal. But I rigged a system to where the bottle could just she she could take the bottle, and I wouldn't have to. Oh, I, I, I didn't have to. De- I didn't have to dedicate an arm to <laughs> positioning the bottle. So that like I, awesome. I stacked a. Cu- I've got a picture of it. I got I stacked a couple of stuffy little things and this that and the other to where the ba- the bottle was basically just like this, <laughs> and she's laying down. <laughs> and, and, and but I also know that that's not a good no, idea. No. But it's, it's not a good idea. So I wasn't proud I, of it after that I realized. None of us it. have thought about it. We've thought. But but I could still finish in the game that I was playing. And, so there was that. I figured out what my tiny house what windows is it? was. What was it? I, it was a typo. Tinting house windows. <laughs> tinting house windows. So as also, oh, tinting. Yeah, okay. Also, so in an effort to, when when we made Isla's bedroom, in an effort to make it darker for her naps, we tinted the windows Okay. Uh, in her room. And we liked it so much. 
And like I say, we love our room to be cool, right, at night. We're only in our bedroom at night Mm -hmm. for sleeping. Mm -hmm. So I don't need to run the HVAC unnecessarily during the daytime. So we also tinted the windows in our bedroom. Uh, so that the HVAC doesn't work unnecessarily hard during the day as the sun's trying to push through yep. and light that room and the heat's coming into that through that window. Hey, if it works in a car, it works in a house. It does. Yeah. It works really good. good idea. And we feel like that it's, um, it's, it's, we're just trying to, you know, it's a cost saving measure, I think, as far as keeping the house a little bit cooler. 100% is yeah. a cost. Yeah, yeah. Especially in your house. Because our HVACs <laughs> seem like they run, they were running ragged. Hey, you know, you know what? Uh, you know who's itching right now? Who's itching? No, you? She not. never has anything. Oh, she's got something today. She never has anything. You guys cannot give me. <laughs> I have something. I think the reason. I think you always have something. You just aren't no. willing to be <laughs> made fun of. No, look at Mark's face. Because that's if that's her no, first. No, look, no I, That's her I, first reaction. We haven't even heard it. She's like, can't give me. <laughs> so I think she always has no. something to add, but she's no, so worried about getting. She won't. No. She won't I, jump I, in the I, pool. I can't tell you. Right, <laughs> right. I, <laughs> I want her life hack to be something like I used to underage drink a lot, and so I had this <laughs> fake ID made. But I mean, like, no. is, okay, so it's not that. But no. you have something. What do you have? Um, so I use you know those like big ammo boxes, like the hard plastic ammo boxes. Ammo I made that. Yeah. yeah, like I made that into a center console for a pickup truck. I have a ammo you box do the same console than my 48. That's no right. Way. He, oh, really? he does. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't That's know that. a good yeah. life hack. Yeah. yeah, it's got a little tray on top, so you can put like pins and stuff, and then Ooh, take the tray out, and you've got very you know, cool. Way to go, Leah. Yeah. She's Harvard redeemed Freight, herself. Man. Very nice. She's made a nice step. Let's not get carried <laughs> away. Let's see if she can go two weeks in a row with a contribution to something. <laughs> Those are good. All right. Good job, everybody. Listen, from Matthew. Any- oh, oh, I'm sorry, Matthew. I didn't have one until this morning when she when I heard she had one. I started thinking because I'm like, you gotta want, have one. I don't right? want to be the last one. You don't want to be the Leah. This I don't want to be the Leah. Leah. And the only thing I can think of off the top of my head is this is kind of stupid and funny. I went to uh, the Frozen Four my first time, and I'm uh, working. Do you know this what event that is? years ago. It's a uh, final four of men's college hockey, okay. and get there, get unpacked in the in the hotel, and man, I got to go meet these people for dinner. I've never worked around some of these yeah. people, so you want to make a good. I shower, I'm getting ready, and I realize, oh, sh- I don't have a comb, I don't have a brush. Why isn't it packed in my bag? I look at my other bag; it's not there. I'm like, oh crap! What the hell am I going to do? And I, at that moment, I look into my toiletry bag, <laughs> and there, wrapped in plastic, I believe it was from a Wendy's is a spork. And I thought to myself, like, this is going to happen. So I unwrapped that spork. And let me tell you something. The spork is the most amazing utensil ever because it's a spoon, it's a fork, but it's also a comb. You, you combed your I hair with a spork. I combed my hair with a spork and went out with executives for dinner with sporked, combed hair. All right, there you go. <laughs> Life, Life hack. hack. Sure. Yeah. It's definitely ingenuity in a tough situation. <laughs> it's definitely a Dilner story. Yeah, that is a Dilner story <laughs> yeah. ever. I don't know many. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, who carries a spork is, in their? It's an obviously a Dilner story when you hear the dramatic pause. When he's that's right. We're telling a story about a spork, <laughs> right? And we've got dramatic and there's, pause. There's mood silence. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> Let's, uh, let's move on the white flag. Well, let's hit the tag first. From high mileage rides oh, yeah. that need that. <laughs> hit the tag, Mike. From high mileage rides that need that thick anti-wear film to newer engines that have carbon buildup, head over to Valvoline.com slash Dale to find the product spec for your engine. Valvoline.com slash Dale. Keep coming, bud. White flag, bud. White flag right there. White flag. 
All right, now, Mike, you ready for the white flag? I'm this ready. This is presented by Nationwide. Nationwide. Nationwide's Ooh. presenting this because we don't have our YouTube segment. Nationwide's on your side. Hey, as you Dale, as you Dale Hart, Die Hard Dale Jr. Downloads. You Dale Hart. movie? What a name. We should, why do Dale we call him Junior Nation? We should call him Dale, Dale Hards. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> no. Yeah. He's like, no. As you Dale Hards know. Well, and again, white flag is the best segment. <laughs> we love when you leave us feedback on the Apple Podcast ratings. Here's a few from this week. J.H. Buckeye wrote on Tuesday, five stars. In this day and age of podcasts blowing up all over the place, this one is absolutely the best. Your recent interviews with Simon Pagano and Will Power were excellent. They should bring IndyCar followers to NASCAR. And he says Junior Nation fans to Indy. We'll call them Dale Hards. I'd love to see more cross-promotion between the two series. Um, And by the way, I like that about the Pagano thing, too. I I really like that. Uh, TM Black wrote on Monday, I've been an Earnhardt fan since 98 when I was just 11. This show has brought back a lot of memories watching senior and junior race, as well as my dad, uncle, and I used to race at our local dirt track. Glad I finally gave in to podcasts, and I enjoy every moment while I'm at work. Uh, Justin Rogers wrote, my dad passed two weeks before the 2001 Daytona 500. I was 13. Watching you, Dale, how you kept going and then winning in July that same year has helped me learn it was okay to move on with my life. When I listen to y'all, it's like sitting with old friends and telling stories. So that was from Justin Rogers. Thank you, Justin. Nice to hear. Very nice. Yep. So, uh, Dale Jr., this is what your schedule looks like this week. Vegas on Monday at the SHRM conference. This is a conference, you guys. They're sending <laughs> Dale Jr. to an HR conference. It's a what? conference of 18,000 HR professionals. You my, better be on oh your my God. And they want Dale Jr. to go. I'd have anxiety like the nationwide. Leave. Did you know that the SH, SHRV conference was for HR directors? Well, whatever, man. Yeah, you're there. <laughs> it's SHRM conference. But anyway, I it was Stuart Haas Racing. Let's do it. Right. You ready? You go tell them what the dress codes are and what the, you know, what the rules are going to be. Uh, after that, you're going to L.A. to record some promos for NBC's The Voice. I couldn't help but this. Uh, looking on Tuesday, you said you have a cabinet meeting. Is this like where you get the well, director of Homeland Security, Sonny Lunsford, no. and the, the governor of the Western Town together? I just had some new cabinets put in my garage. Oh, home. literal cabinets. Oh, so and we're gonna make We're going to do additional, additional, some additional work. <laughs> The treehouse treasurer <laughs> and the uh, the director of dirt tracks and no, uh, just normal okay. tape engineer, just normal home everyday cabinet. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> then Thursday, you were off to Chicago to begin season two of NASCAR on NBC's broadcast coverage. Last year at this time, he was a little nervous. You feeling probably pretty good this time? Yeah, I am ready to get Looking going. Forward. I'm excited. We had a small little. Uh, race broadcast practice the other other week and uh, boy it fired me up cool <laughs> just reminded me of how fun it's gonna you know how fun how much fun we had last year how fun these guys are I get to work with that's awesome so speaking of NBC Sports you can catch the Dale Jr. download this week on NBC Sports Network at 5 p.m. Eastern 2 p.m. Pacific I got out of boys on Twitter from the Pacific people saying thank you for thinking about us Aww. we will now say the Pacific time and then the people in between you figured out <laughs> Everybody, central, uh, central time, on couch, mountain time. Y'all can do the math. It's not that many. It's just one or two off. Uh, Pacific time, you know that that's 2 p.m. Pacific time on Tuesdays. Follow Dirty Mo Media on social media networks. That's at Dirty Mo Media on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Our YouTube channel's taking off. Leah, you're doing a great job with that. Uh, lastly, I do want to plug our sister show, Door Bumper Clear. Uh, it's doing quite well. Brett Griffin, TJ Majors, Casey Boat. I think they got, do they got Ross Chastain coming in? 
Yeah. This week? Yeah. yeah. My, oh, so <laughs> good timing. Perfect. I'd like to hear this to, one. Especially if you can go to St. Louis and get a win. Yeah. Oh, man. That'll, that'll be, be cool. Something. So uh, check out Door Bumper Clear. And that's it, Dale. You got some odd history for us? I do, man. Uh, in 1967, the Beatles sang I Get By With A Little Help From My Friends, NASCAR Hall of Famer, and Illinois native Fred Lorenzen did just that. But this wasn't your typ- typical help from typical friends. It was the mob. <laughs> <laughs> Fred's NASCAR career hadn't hit full song yet. He had won the 1958 and 59 USAC Stock Car Championships, but in 1960, he entered NASCAR driving a car he owned himself, and in 10 races that year, he finished in the top 10 five times. Not too bad. Decades later, Lorenzen would admit he financed that car by borrowing money from the Chicago-area mobsters. After the season-ending race at Atlanta in 1960, when he was trying to make it in NASCAR in that equipment, he was forced to sell most of it off to pay the $10,000 he owed the mafia. Luckily, that wasn't the end of the story for Lorenzen. The risky loans worked to advance his career. However, months later, he was hired to drive for Holman Moody, where he went on to win 26 races. Hey, that's a nice number. And become a NASCAR Hall of Famer. Jeez. You think it tipped off NASCAR when the competitors turned on their car and it blew up? <laughs> <laughs> if he hadn't returned it, maybe that next that's race. That's a bad joke. Next race. <laughs> Kaboom! <laughs> oh, my gosh. Fred Lorenzen's your winner. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't confetti cannons. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Good right. mo- hey, nothing like ending the show with a good mob story, boys right. and girls. That was a fun one. I hope you guys enjoyed having Kelly uh, talk to you and tell you some great stories. I sure did. Mike. I did. Leah. Matthew. Yeah. Awesome. Good job today, guys, and uh, we'll see you all next week. I hope you enjoyed the show as much as I enjoy pristineauction.com. Pristine is an authentic sports memorabilia website from that you can order this stuff. Yeah. Did I do good? You kind of got memorabilia. <laughs> really? Yeah. It was like, it was Fails pretty good. Hey, who am I to sit there and criticize? Yeah, criticize. I can't say it either. Yeah, no. I live in a glass house. Well, check it out, man. It's a, it's a website. You buy this stuff from the comfort of your own home. Let me explain. PristineAuction.com offers a daily auction where all bids start at just $1. They also have those 10-minute auctions that I like. Uh, those are the ones where I think you can get in there and and get some steel. Yeah, I did get it with Door for Clear. Right, yeah. yeah. All right. And they're a lot of fun. Ten minutes, <laughs> and it's over. Uh, it's, it's rapid fire. Get your heart rate up, and they're great deals. The authenticity of those items is the... What are you looking at? Chicha what Chicha are you distracting Chicha. us with? No, Chicha th- th- that's distracting what I, the middle of this read. I bought that on a 10-minute <laughs> oh auction. Oh, yeah. Chicha oh, Chicha. did you? Yeah. 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 Did you feel like you got a good deal? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I got that for 25 bucks. It's signed by Holy moly. Chong. Wow, it <laughs> is? The Chicha that's Chong. actually kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, if it was unautographed, $25. I don't know, yeah. buddy. Yeah, but it's autographed. <laughs> All right. Well, of course it is. It's from pristineauction.com. And you know it's authentic. Uh, you know it's authentic. Autograph, right? Yeah. I've signed with them. Uh, so I know that everybody that's on there that's uh, that you got an autograph, it's the real deal. It's yeah. the real person signing that autograph. No forgeries, no fakes that you see on all the other websites. People trying to get you out there. Mm-hmm. Nobody's trying to get you at pristineauction.com. Before we uh, before the show, we spotted a 124 scale Elvis diecast from the movie Spin Out. Mm. I don't even know what. I've never that heard is. of that movie. Spin Out. That must have been one of the 50 beach movies he made right there after the, <laughs> right before the 69 comeback special. The Shelby Cobra also comes with a collectible coin. All right, go check out pristineauction.com now. You'll be hooked. It's free to register, free to bid, and you only pay for the items you win. That's pristine auction, spelled P-R-I-S-T. I-N-E auction.com. And when you register, 
Be sure to select Dale Jr. Download Podcast from the drop-down menu. We really need you to do that. That's how they can tell that we sent you there. You're helping us. We'll help you. See ya.